Well, um, I thought this was a pretty good year overall. It's interesting to me. I, um, I've been having these feelings lately after Trevor's, especially Trevor's, uh, Trevor Horn's episode where I just think, what's left? You know, what, what do I, I mean, there are people obviously that I still want to talk to, but I don't know that I'm going to get them and I may never get them. And I've talked to almost everyone I could think of. And so... But I say that, and I really love what we have coming up for like the first couple of months of the year. Just about every episode is one that I like or stand by, or at least is an interesting person. So, and the gaps end up getting filled with people you weren't expecting, or you get an email from some, you know, publicist that's got something on the hook, or eventually all that time fighting for someone like Trevor works out, or you just never know. So I'll just keep it rolling as long as it is interesting. Right, John, John. I've known you for five years, and every year you tell me the same thing. <laughs> oh God, I don't know how much more of this I can do. Every week, it's like putting your soul out there and having the whole world listen to it. And sometimes it's a win, and sometimes it's a crushing defeat. But yes. you still go on week after week, John, and we love you for it. Fifty-two weeks a year, brother. You put it out there. I feel so transparent. It's true, though. <laughs> I mean, in, in the past, I've, I, I will admit, I'm not depressed. In the past, I get depressed, where it's like, this isn't going anywhere. It's not fun anymore. Um, I compare myself to other podcasters, and I get angry. But I don't really do that so much anymore. It's just, man, I, I hope the, the uh, interesting ideas keep coming. How are you feeling, Yan? I'm still pretty good. I, I mean, I'm enjoying this, and I'm starting to watch the numbers, and I'm like, oh. Yes, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Come on. I've I got know. stuff to give away. I've got stuff to give away. I it's looked, true. As uh, soon as we hit a million, Yan's got some big gifts for some people. What's up, Andy? I was going to say, I looked a week or two ago, and I saw you're getting close to 900,000. I know. I know. It gets better all the time. Like I've said before, I <laughs> it only took seven years to make happen, but... Um, my goal originally was to have a thousand, every new episode get downloaded at least a thousand times yep. in its first week, whether it was promoted by the guest or not. And it took like six or seven years to get there. And we're finally there most of the time, not all yep. the time, but most of the time. Well, it's uh, Our average is around 1500. Yeah, it is around yeah, 15. Yep. And that slowly climbs up. I want to give some uh, special thanks real quick. One of, when we did our last one, Yan, you were talking about the best opening bands we'd ever seen. 
And uh-huh. I talked about one that I saw open for Grantley Buffalo in Salt Lake City in the 90s. And I didn't remember the name of the band or anything, just that they had a song called Amoeba. And one of our listeners, Aaron Carlson, bless his heart, came back to me and said, the band you were talking about is called Slush. And they had an album, I think, called North Hollywood. He figured it out. And he sent it to me. And so I wanted to just say thank you to Aaron. And what's interesting is that, thankfully, we have a pretty vocal group here. Uh, The community within the hustle community is fairly strong. And so I hear from a lot of people. And thank you, Andy. And... uh, (laughs) But I don't think I'd ever heard from Aaron. And so it's always interesting to me when a listener that I don't know at all or have never heard from responds to something like that uh, because I don't even know they're out there. So anyway, thanks again, Aaron. That meant a lot to me that you did that. So wait a minute. You were in Salt Lake City in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh know if I've ever God. talked about this. Oh. I should, you know, I should... <laughs> I should break down those walls and tell you the full story. Yes, I mean, I after <laughs> five years, I think I'd heard all the stories, John, but this is this is a new revelation for me. Okay. I got lots of stories. You know, I'm lots from Minneapolis, right? And Yans and Dumfermline. Yeah. Really? All this yes, time. I, I had I no know. I, know, I know. I know. I know. We go back to the well. Now, wait a minute. I remember earlier in the year, Yan, you were talking about you were going to go to Venice for a while this year. Did that trip happen? Or am I I don't remember? Uh, no. No, it didn't have okay. You so, you talked about about uh, oh, going or something. I, I thought like at some it. point you were talking about going to Italy this past yeah, last Rome. year. Rome. Rome, okay. Yeah, Nicholas and I were gonna go to Rome and we nope. both got COVID. Oh man. And so it it that took a back seat. Yeah. Nope. We both got we both got COVID and we couldn't make that trip, but we were we were testing clear by the time we went to Spain. So, mm. um, how are the kids? How are you? What's going on with Nicholas? Yeah. He is, he should be in college now. Oh my gosh. Should, does that mean he is in college or he's not? And he should be, he should be. I think he started this week. Oh, where's he going? Wichita state. Nice. Oh, oh. yeah. Good. Good. So, Yep, so he should have started his gen ed stuff at WSU. I don't know what he's planning to do for a major yet. I don't think he knows. Yeah, (laughs) you often don't. You figure it out along the way. Yeah. Yeah. What about Parker? Oh, go ahead. I tried to get him to come here to do medicine here because I could have probably got him in for free. Mm -hmm. But no, he didn't want to. He didn't want to come. He's yeah, staying put, put with his friends. Yeah, mm, sure. What's what's Parker doing? Is he back in college? Yeah, Um. so uh, Parker started up this past fall again. He's going to a different university here in the Twin Cities um, and going for a business major. And then he also, uh, he started uh, selling flags. <laughs> yeah so on tiktok there's this guy that's out there on tiktok calling himself the academic weapon where he was like a high school football player and he's taken all that energy that and resources that you put into playing football but he's applying that to his college education 
So he makes all these TikTok videos and says, I'm an academic weapon. I sit in the front row right in front of the professor and I'm taking notes, you know, religiously and I'm in the game, you know? Yeah. So, and evidently college students found this guy to be very inspirational as the academic weapon. Well, the, the guy didn't trademark it or anything. So my son Parker found a, a flag company in China that will let you customize your own, you know, three foot long flag. Hmm. So he hired a guy a uh, graphic artist to make a, like a hand grenade and a brain inside of it <laughs> that he put academic weapon at the top and he's yeah. selling these flags on Etsy for 20 bucks a piece. And he sold probably two dozen of them to people all around the United States. Um, wow. So yeah. So it's just kind of like this side hustle that he started just oh from gosh. a TikTok video that he saw. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah, the, the kid's wow. an entrepreneur. I mean, he started his yeah. own car detailing business in high school during the pandemic. And uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's doing all. He just turned 20 at the end of December. Oh, my gosh. So, wow. Yeah, that's great. Um, so is he still still doing the car detailing? Um, In the summertime, he'll do it. Um, but now in the winter, it's just too cold because, you know, usually you have to do it outside or in someone's driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause there's usually not enough room in someone's garage or they don't want to have their car cleaned until after, you know, springtime. Cause sure. I mean, we just had 10 inches of snow the other day dumped on us here in Minneapolis. Ugh. So <laughs> oh, man. I'm running out of places to pile it in my yard to clean the sidewalk. Pick <laughs> it to. To Denver and stick it in the in John's yard <laughs> up on the tree. I, you know, I honestly I don't know what John's house looks like. I've been accused of uh, you know stalking John's house. Uh, You're a liar. You know exactly. <laughs> You've been there. It's a ranch style house, one level. It's right uh-huh. off that main boulevard. Uh, uh-huh. You got the restaurant yeah. down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, good. I don't want. I won't get into details, but I think you guys have been there. Raising teenagers is. <laughs> challenge unlike anything when they just it's impossible it's it feels i've been talking about this with other parents friends of ours and stuff that it's like a daily war of who's going to get ahead in the like figuring out how to stop something you know like if you're gonna, if i'm going to try and stop them from i don't know I mean, it could be anything like pornography or whatever. They're, <laughs> them and their friends are going to find a workaround to get around yes. whatever I came up with to stop them yes. or to whatever, like spend too much time playing video games or to buy things they don't need or to chat inappropriate, whatever it might be. I mean, they're just, they're, you know, horny teenagers going through the weirdest time and having to try and like manage that is impossible. Anyway. Well, have they, they haven't gotten to the weed yet, have they? No, not that I know of. Yes, that's good. That's a good point. Um, I, and I should clarify, I mean, comparatively, I'm really lucky. They're great kids. There's no drinking or weed or sex or whatever that I'm aware of. I mean, maybe I'm way off. I don't know. But um, there's just the normal growing pains of whatever. I was going to say, it's John, the last, time, the last time we spoke here as a group, you were talking about Georgia had gotten in trouble for turning off her phone and she oh, was making man. out with the the kid in the park, and you oh, were busting boy. your center console on your Tesla. Did you get that fixed? <laughs> no, it still flaps. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. Well, they're still together. His name's Jalen. Uh, okay. They uh, have 
proven themselves to largely be more trustworthy. They did, um, you know, they were both sort of grounded for a while. We put limits on how often they can hang out with each other. And um, for the most part, they're fairly trustworthy, you know, <laughs> which is good, I think. So, okay. So let's uh, go around that. Everyone have a good Christmas. Anything cool. special for Christmas? Our Christmas, my niece, Hannah, got married the week before in the Payson, Utah Temple. And so we all drove out. The, normally, we spend the week between Christmas and New Year's in Utah. This week, we spent the week before because of the wedding. We were going to be there anyway. It was very interesting because um, that wedding being on, I think, the 17th, the Saturday before, it kind of made Christmas anticlimactic because... Mm -hmm the big celebration had sort of already happened. And then we still had another big celebration a week from then. And I'm lucky that my work gave us almost that entire period off. So I didn't work for almost three weeks and, um, must be rough. And it's kind of nice. Yeah. I, I like my job. And, uh, so we're just kind of, and we're, my in-laws, Ferris parents had just gotten home from their Mormon mission uh, 48 hours before we arrived, they had been in Seattle on their Mormon mission for a year and they got home on Wednesday and we arrived late Friday night. And then the wedding was Saturday. And then we spent the rest of that week kind of going back and forth a couple of days with them in Northern and bountiful North of Salt Lake city, a couple of days at my sister's house in Lehigh, South of Salt Lake city. My mom's in town, family's around. Anyway, it was, uh, it was busy. It's really busy seeing everybody, but it's always fun. I finally got to meet one of our listeners, Steffi Baker. I've seen her post uh, stuff. Yep. yep. She's great. And uh, she lives in Utah, and I, but we've never met. We met up what? real quick. I know. Someone who lives in Utah, and you've never met them before. Well, I don't think Man. she's from there. And okay. uh, so I didn't know her until the podcast started. Okay. And anytime I'm in town, we've talked about meeting up before and haven't been able to do it. But her and her husband... Uh, Doug, we met up real quick. And then there's another one of our listeners, Shay Zero, who also lives in Utah. And she and I, we ran out of time to see each other this time. But yeah, it's great. Just meeting up with people sometimes. Yeah, yeah I'm, I've own, gone out. Oh, oh what's that, Yen? I was going to say, how's your mom doing? How's who? Your mom doing. Oh, my mom. Oh, um, she's good. She, it, it's, uh, well, that, that void of not having dad around is especially acute during the holidays, especially considering he died on the 30th. So yep. it, um, there's, and with my niece getting married, there's a lot of that, like, you know, he would love this, or I know he's yep. here in spirit or, you know what I'm saying? That kind of just, you feel that big presence missing when he's not there at these big family things. And I'm sure that'll continue for a while. And my mom's doing pretty good. She's planning on, she lives in Southern Utah down in St. George by Las Vegas. She's planning on moving up to Salt Lake this spring. So um, to be closer to everybody. So that'll eat up a big chunk of my life here in the next few days, which is great. We're happy that she's going to do that. What about you, Andy? Well, I was going to say, I sympathize with you, John. I remember when your dad passed, is it two years ago now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we lost my father-in-law. On Christmas Day of 2006, he had been diagnosed with cancer that Wednesday before Thanksgiving of 2006 and basically had 31 days. Mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> so we spent that week of Christmas in hospice with him. Mm -hmm. 
And then my mother had a brain tumor uh, that was found in 2014, and she essentially made it almost to two years with that brain tumor. She went into hospice the week of Christmas of 2015. So I've spent two two Christmases in hospices. Uh, for a, a parent and father-in-law, you know, uh, yeah. right at Christmas time. And that's, you know, it's a bittersweet holiday. It is. It really know. is. Yeah. 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 We're finding that too. It's, um, you know, that it's family focused and everyone's together and a lot of revelry and you become more aware of who's not there and yep. times past and dramatic things that may have happened over the holidays. It's, so it's an interesting time, but. Yeah. And uh, so I have a younger sister who's 11 years younger than me, and she's pregnant with her first child. Mm. So uh, so we saw her at, at Christmas. So it's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, happy. We, yeah. we finally have a new kid because my brother doesn't have any kids. So it's mm. my son, Parker. And that's it on both that's sides it. of the family, because my wife's an only child. Mm. And now my sister will be the next one to have a kid 20 wow. years later in our family. Wow. So. Goodness. Wow. So, the so shawls that kind are of, dying off. <laughs> well, my dad's, of my dad's the oldest of eight, so there's still oh, a few shawls. Okay, plenty of shawls so, still. Yes, okay. Yes. Some would say too many. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, I wanted to mention Music League we've been playing. I don't think Yan's involved, but Andy, you're in some of the leagues. So it's this fun game that we've been playing with several of you. If I, I mean, if you know, you know, it's been a a lot of fun, I think. If you don't know and you're interested, just tell me. It's it, Real quick, it's an app for your phone where you create a league, you invite people to it. Whoever the admin is creates a series of rounds, and each round has a theme. And so, um, like, for instance, one of the themes of, of – I can't remember if you're in this one or not, Andy, but like a song from 1989. And yeah. everyone submits a song from 1989. And once all the songs are submitted, Spotify creates a playlist and you go in and listen to the playlist and then you vote. You have 20, 25 votes or whatever, and a couple of down votes for songs that you don't like or don't think meet the theme. And you allot them to whatever songs you like. And at the end of the, and it's all anonymous. And at the end, when the results are in, you can see um, who voted for your song and what they had to say. And, um, and then at the end of all, however many rounds the admin determines to be in the in the game, you know, there's a top three winners and stuff. It's just a lot of fun. It's I'm in like six different leagues now with all these people, and it's just a it's a blast. Some I win, some I lose. I've only won once, but I've lost several times. And it's almost more interesting to see. Like I, I'll if I can pick a song without outwardly actually trying to troll people and just pick songs that I know are gonna lose. What yeah. songs can I pick that I like that I think no one else will like? And yeah. uh, like, I, there was a one of the themes was a song you love from an artist you hate. Yes. And I went really ballsy and I picked an R. Kelly song. And uh, <laughs> nobody, understandably, good for all of you, nobody was hearing that. So I came in dead last <laughs> with like negative seventeen points. He's like, I don't care how good an R. Kelly song is, I am not giving you points for an R. Kelly song. <laughs> So anyway, it's fun. If anyone else wants to join us, tell me, and we'll uh, create more leagues and keep it going. Yeah, no, it um, is interesting to see how people vote in some of those because I yeah. I tend to notice the songs that are more well known tend to do better if it's familiar. You know, it's we so had a go ahead. We have like a movie soundtrack one. Yeah, 
and there was like a lot of flash dance songs picked for it and those did really well and i'm like flash dance it's like a 40 year old movie now oh god i know like yeah maniac or something was in there and i thought is anyone dying to hear maniac i mean (laughs) it's really i talk about this with a lot of the people a lot of friends who are playing it's really tricky to figure out how to win because you, it's no fun if you pick obvious songs that everyone's heard a million times. And yet yep. some the people who do, some of them do really well, and some of them don't do well at all because it's like, that's too obvious, you know? Yep. And so there's this middle ground. And if you want to go really rogue and pick some song no one's ever heard before, yep. they'll either hate it because they've never heard, bef- heard it before, or they'll love it because it's new to them and they ju- you just showed them something new. And you never know how, how the votes are going to play out. It's really... Wild. And now Farah and her girlfriends are in a league too. And so she's constantly on the app too. Like, (laughs) what do you think I should pick? You know? And it's all these, it's all these wives of our friends, most of whom we know from church. And the theme of theirs this last week was like a song that you like getting it on to. And I'm thinking, (laughs) I don't want to know what the women I know from church like having sex to. I don't want to know. Did so, Farrah pick that that old '90s dance song, uh, "Short Short Man"? No, and I would be worried if she did, because what would that say about me? That would mean she'd prefer being married to you. Annie. Oh, ouch! <laughs> ouch! Oh man, I tell you. Yeah, she picked, if I remember right, "Crash Into Me," and um, huh. by Dave, which is a great. Yep. I love that song, and it's super sexy because I got a. <laughs> I got a text one night. She had already gone to bed and I was still out watching TV and she texted me and she said, did you realize Steve Lillywhite produced fashion to me? <laughs> and I was like, why? Yes, I did. That's one of the reasons I love Steve Lillywhite. So anyway, you know, it's uh, hilarious though. We had one in the music league where it was like, uh, you know, some one hit wonder from the nineties. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about it and I was like, Oh, you know, there was this song by the group called the triplets in 1991 called you don't have to go home tonight and it was their only hit and i just happened to remember it because i saw it in, on mtv a few times and i think they might have interviewed them once on you know kurt loaders you know, tabitha soren so i picked that and that week uh eric miller from the pods and sods they did an episode and eric just happened to say oh yeah like uh he referenced the triplets and i'm like how the hell does he remember a group that had one hit 31 years ago? <laughs> and know. he mentions it on his show. And I was like, son of a bitch. And I was like, <laughs> I had to text him. I'm like, how do you pick that of all things? I said, that's the song I was going to use this week. And he's in our music league. And I said, I didn't want you to think I stole your idea because I already had it all uh-huh. set to go. Uh, so he's like, that's fine. You know, I, I'm not claiming it, Andy. Don't worry. I'm not going to accuse you of being a thief but it was just this obscure song and he he just happened to reference it that's wild and it's weird to depend a lot of it depends on who you're playing with that 90s one hit wonder has come up in a couple of other leagues i'm in and in one of them and i've submitted the same song in both and it's that standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand or whatever by primitive radio gods and in one league it did really well and in the other league it came in dead last and you (laughs) just don't know what your audience is going to like and not like but anyway well i have to say uh jackie clary former guest of the hustle podcast and courtney crone dole 
uh, who's a friend of all podcasters as well, uh-huh. both liked my pick. So I took that as a feather in my cap. Good. So yes. If Jackie yeah. Clary likes my my selection, yeah. I'm doing all right. You are. <laughs> she has great taste. Uh, okay, concerts. Um, moving on. I'll uh, I'll be quick about this. I. So I, a buddy of mine at work, Jeff, who um, we go to concerts together sometimes, he had a friend bail at the last minute, and he had a spare ticket to The Who, and he asked me, he invited me to go. So I went and saw The Who, and the opener was Mike Campbell of Tom Petty oh. and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. And uh, we were up in the nosebleeds, but it was great, and it was only like 25 bucks. And what was interesting to me is that they didn't play hardly any old, there was like nothing before Tommy. I think they played The Seeker. Oh. And that's about it. So there was no like My Generation or Magic Bus or Pictures of Lily or I Can See for Miles. None of those. And what was interesting is when uh, Roger Daltrey had to hit that scream and won't get fooled again. I'm almost 100% positive that the scream was patched in, that it was pre-recorded. Because there's no way he's hitting that note every night. It sounded too perfect, <laughs> but it still choked me up with just how impactful and amazing hearing that scream from that man in that moment in that song was. It was such a great show. So that's like going to see the Rolling Stones and them not playing anything pre-Sticky Fingers. Basically, yeah. Yeah, Jeez. it was interesting. They had the Colorado Symphony on on some of the songs. They were on stage for a lot of it. So it was a lot of Tommy and a lot of Quadrophenia. Which is great because those are, uh, you know, more orchestrated and everything. The Bob O'Reilly, there's a, I think they do this in every stop. Whoever, like the first violinist or whatever is in whatever local, you know, orchestra that's performing on stage with them comes out, does the whole violin solo in Bob O'Reilly. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It was beautiful. It was so good. But yeah, they didn't go back um, very far. It was interesting. Wow. And Pete does almost all the stage banter and he's great at it. Roger doesn't say much there. I had completely forgotten until I got there that their drummer is Zach Starkey, Ringo's son. That was going to be my amazing. next question. Yes. Yep. He was amazing. You know, no and, uh, way. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh man. Someone, by the way, there was a comment. It was either on, I think it's on the Podbean app. There was a comment Someone said, could you please stop saying wow? And uh, so I need to work on that. I'm sorry, guys. Wow. No way. No way. That's a great song, by the way. I know. It is. Yes. I I need to work on my wows. So anyway, there was that. There was, I'm going to pick one, save one for the end. Fair and I saw St. Lucia. We love them. We see them just about every time they come through town. Uh, Glenn Phillips and Garrison Starr had come through after having them on the show and I got to meet them. I didn't meet nice. Glenn. He was surrounded by a lot of other people, but Garrison and I hugged real quick and said hello. They were it was beautiful. It was a beautiful show. It was at the Soil Dove, Yan. <laughs> and they had put me on they put me on the list like right next to the stage. So I was it was a beautiful, beautiful night with those two. I love them. Nice. That that is a great venue, Andy, if you've never been. I've uh, I've never been invited when I've been in Denver to the Soil Dove Yen. <clears throat> Next time you're here buying edibles, um, <laughs> we will make sure that we go see a show at the Soil Dove. My uh, <laughs> my my wife has a conference in May, so uh, okay, we'll look good. at the May calendar here. Good, Denver. If not Soil Dove, we'll go to Red Rocks, um, and then um, no Indian food though. 
you know, we'll, I'll take you to the nice place. Okay. I only take Brad Page to the dumpy places. I'll take you to the nice <laughs> Indian food. And then, um, and I, oh, my buddy Dave. Uh, so <laughs> my buddy Dave Osborne, he's not super Dave Osborne, but we called him that. Uh, he had spare tickets to The Smile, which is the side project that Tom York from Radiohead's doing. And he couldn't use them, so he gave them to me, and I took my buddy Tim. And so we went and saw The Smile with some friends. That was fun. Um, now, i got to tell you about seeing Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. So that's the um, Guy Pratt is the bass player, and Gary Kemp is the guitarist. And when it was coming, I emailed Guy, even though I really wasn't sure because I can't – I. Like I said, I think Guy didn't like me very much, and so I don't want to be a pest. But I thought I'd try it anyway. So I emailed him, and uh, he was like, yeah, I'll put you on the list. Great. And um, so I went with Megan, the, my concert wife, and uh, I haven't seen her since. We, I don't think we've been to a show since then. But anyway, so we go, and we sit. We have really good seats, and we have these stickers on that tell us we have backstage passes. And when the show is over, they move everybody with those stickers into a private area. And once everyone clears out, then they take the group and we go backstage and we go up into this. It's almost like a cafeteria or a kitchen or something like that. And we wait for the band to come out. And <laughs> Megan and I are feeling really out of place at this because everyone else in the group is family or longtime friends. And so everyone else, oh, how do you know? How do you know the band? Uh, I'm the keyboardist sister-in-law or something like that or or i was a roadie for pink floyd in the 70s or whatever and we've stayed in touch all this time and i'm like well i i interviewed guy over zoom a couple of years ago and uh so that's it so you don't know anyone you're not related you've never met them <laughs> no i've never personally met anyone and i don't know that guy would even remember me and i'm not related to anyone but i interviewed him and he was nice enough to put me on the list we felt so dumb and then we go to this kitchen area and again everyone's sitting at there's tables everywhere and stuff and everyone's sitting at the tables in their family and friend groups and megan and i are kind of standing off to the side like I feel so out of place and eventually gary kemp walks in and he looks just great by the way the show was fantastic and i hate early pink floyd and i love this yeah. show it was really good <laughs> and um gary kemp walks in and he starts talking to one of the groups of friends and they're all, everyone's hugging. I really want to talk to him and I don't feel the, like I have the guts to do it. And then uh, some of the other band members that I don't know as well come in. And then Nick Mason walks in. And so there's Nick Mason. And let yeah. me tell you guys, he's old. He is yeah. really old. And he, he looks old, but on stage when he's drumming and he's doing some crowd banter and stuff like that, he, his hand shakes a little bit, but he doesn't seem that old. But when he comes into the room, he seems really frail to me. Mm. And so he's a little bit like, you can tell he's just been through a million of these things, you know? And there's people waiting to get his picture taken. And he's kind of standing there. And I'm waiting for Guy, who's the only one I even kind of know. And so I start making chit-chat with Nick. And I think, what do I want to say to Nick that, you know, I'm not going to ask him about Pink Floyd because he's been asked a million times. And I know he's into cars. And I said, so Nick... I got to know, what's your favorite car that you own? And uh, he's like, oh, GT. I was like, really? How did you? That was so fast. He's like, I get asked that question a lot. <laughs> and 
so I'm just feeling extra dumb that I thought I thought I was thinking of this really interesting, unique question, and it is nothing. You know, who's, nothing. Who's at all. that tall bloke asking you the same stupid question that everyone exactly. else does? Everyone, everyone else, they do the same thing you're doing. They don't think, oh, I don't, I know. I'll ask him about cars instead of Pink Floyd. Everybody does it. They ask the same thing you just did, and then eventually, guy comes in, and as soon as guy comes in, ev- you know, all this, this big group of people, big hugs, and he's talking with them for like five minutes. And Megan and I are just kind of looking at each other and we're like, I don't know, should we go? What should we do? This feels so weird. Everyone else here knows each other. And eventually Guy has like a split second where he turns from one group of people that's waiting for him to another group. And I said, Guy, real quick, it's John Lamoureux. Oh, yes, John. And then everyone comments on how tall I am and all that kind of stuff. And this is my friend Megan, and I'm sure he probably thinks we're having an affair or we're, you know, dating or whatever, and we're not. And so we, you know, thanks, man. That was so great. And, uh, I really love that show. And you got mad at me when we talked, when I said I didn't like early Pink Floyd, but I really like this. Oh, well, good. Well, good. <laughs> nice to meet you and everything. And then he turns and talks to his other friends. And we could have sat there and like waited for Gary Kemp or whatever. And we were just like, this feels too weird. So we left. And uh, so it was a it was a cool experience, but it was so uncomfortable. I wouldn't care if it never happened again. You know? Sure. <laughs> you should have said, which one's pink? <laughs> That's yeah. what I should have said to there Nick instead of asking about the cars. Um, so anyway, last one I want to mention is in early November, I flew out to, uh, to Philadelphia for a couple, it was supposed to be kind of like a guy's weekend. We were doing a couple of things on a Friday night. The Hooters were in town doing their 42nd anniversary reunion show. And then the next night, Ted Poley of the band danger danger is doing a, was doing a house concert at Eric's stone turtle is that what it's called the stone turtle uh concert venue something yeah he's got a little stone turtle out in his front yard and that's what he named the so he's been doing these uh concerts at his house and i've been getting into danger danger lately and i thought what perfect let's i'll go see the hooters who i've always wanted to see and i'll go meet ted and we'll hang out with the linens and originally, BJ was going to come. There was talks about you coming. Oh, you're wearing your permanent record T-shirt. I, I, nice. I was just going to say, I got a free T-shirt from Brian and Sarah Lennon. Oh, you can't see it. I, you know, you don't even have to show me because I got the same shirt. Oh, you know, I was going to mock you, know, you and say you didn't get one. I did get you know, one. You're not trying to twerk there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did. You should have seen, guys. He was. <laughs> oh, now he's doing a Shakira. That's a, that's the only freebie you perverts get. Oh uh. gosh, that's all I want. That's more than I need. Let me tell you. Um, anyway, so yeah, the linens were there and BJ was going to come. There was talks yep. about you coming. Then there was talks yep. of other people from who knows where uh, coming. But the only ones who ended up coming were me and Brad Page drove down. And so Brad and I shared a hotel room. We met so up I with- heard. Yeah, that's, I don't need to know. I don't need to know what happens. Yeah, no, whatever no. happened in Philadelphia stays in Philadelphia, John. It was uh, it was great, and um, we met up with Craig Smith, who doesn't drive, by the way. He uh, it's really interesting. I didn't know this. He he's been in a lot of car wrecks, and so he gets driving or even being in a car gives him anxiety. Yeah, and so um, he has to be driven everywhere. Yeah, and takes public transportation. So anyway, a big group of us would get together and go to the shows or go out to eat or meet up. We met up with the linens. It was beautiful. It was just such a wonderful weekend. Yeah, no, I, uh, I was 
interested in going to that one, but then Eric had been kind of telling me like, Hey, I'm working on getting Jim Babjack from the smithereens to come play at the stone turtle house concert series. Um, and then he let me know that he's like, Hey, I booked Jim Babjack. So that's going to be February. And I'm like, well, I can't afford to fly to Philadelphia twice. in you know, th- a three month period. So I did yeah. have to bail on that, uh, on that show, which, uh, uh, sad to do it because uh, it sounds like you guys had a good time, man. And you and Craig got along and recorded yeah. a uh, an episode together. <laughs> we did, even even though he openly hates you and you secretly hate him. Uh, it was nice to see you two come together. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's kind of true. Uh, I don't know if it's true anymore. We text the pair, uh, uh, you know, every now and then, and uh, he's been great. And it was great to see him. And there was no weirdness i think we worked through a lot of that stuff i want to say one thing one of our other listeners dave greenberg happened to be at the hooters show and um so and he and i met out front um after the show which was just great we went so we did some record shopping and um or cd shopping for you shopping for me yeah it was just great and uh, when i i uh i flew on a red eye to philadelphia and so i hadn't slept I got Eric picked me up and eventually as uh, Brad showed up, we went over to Eric's house real quick and I was so tired. I said, do you mind if I just take a quick nap on your couch? And so I laid down on the couch for just a half hour and I get up and I'm fine. We go driving somewhere. I'm allergic to cats. Eric has a bunch of them and I've just put my face in cat hair for the last 45 minutes to a half hour and my face starts swelling up and I can barely see or breathe. And this lasts for hours. It doesn't even start getting better until about halfway through the concert. And so the first part of the concert, my eyes are almost swollen shut. I can barely see. They're all itchy and watery. It's kind of a nightmare. So I love Eric, but I won't be sleeping over at his house very often. And uh, because it's too much of a problem. Yes, he he offered me his extra bedroom to stay when I go here in February, and I said, no, I'm allergic to cats just like John. I'll get a hotel room. <laughs> it was bad. I was not expecting that. Um, anyway, that's my concert. I haven't been to one for a while other than Smile. What about you, Yan? Uh, so I saw Cowboy Junkies with Chris Slamp in November, mm-hmm. and it, uh, seriously, if that's Margaret with a heavy cold, oh, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> she sounds that was, amazing. That yeah. was unreal. I mean, it was really good. Her voice was amazing. But I mean, you could hear when she was talking after the singing mm-hmm. that she was choked up a bit. But oh, that was under the weather. Yeah. Yeah. They're so and, good. Uh, yeah. Oh, if you haven't seen them, go see them. Have you seen a man today? I have not, but uh, I think that would be a great show. Mm-hmm. check oh, out it's a great show yeah it's a great show and then i was supposed to go see the bison family in glasgow with chris as well but i, I couldn't make it it looks like you're gonna go see belinda carlisle she's here in yeah. a couple of weeks actually with carly oh. ray jepson and someone else oh, and wow. i'm debating on whether to go um yeah. i've seen to, her before to the uk no, she, well, she's coming to the UK. She's playing here in Denver soon. What's, oh. when, did, when is she coming to the UK? I think she lives in Paris. Uh, I think she spends some time in London, too. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and uh, I'm not exactly sure when it is, but the the organization that my dad was a, a trustee of, uh, they worked with an organization that she's a patron of, 
So oh, okay. I think Dad may have had some dealings with her on funding stuff. Wow. Uh, and so they're, they're getting uh, backstage tickets for me. Nice. Excellent. And she's a redhead, Yan, in case you didn't know. Or sometimes uh, I, she's a redhead. Had, sometimes she's I a redhead. Had, <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> the smile I'm says glad. everything, right, John? Yeah, yes, yeah. it does. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that one out to me. I wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does she yeah. have red hair? I hadn't, I hadn't noticed in the last 35 I years. <laughs> <laughs> now, I believe she has a new album coming out, doesn't she? I think she might. Uh-oh. I we lost oh. Ian. Okay. Um, when I saw that she was coming through town, I immediately looked her up to see if I could get her on the show. Yeah. But um, I haven't. I couldn't. If there's no contact button, I don't know where to go. So sure. she. Um, I don't know that I'll be able to get her. I would love to, I, unless I'm, I stalk her on Twitter, and I I hate doing that. Yeah, I think I'd seen something where uh, Diane Warren had written some songs and given I think them you to might her. Be right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be an interesting show. I saw her in uh, 1987 or 88, uh, Heaven on Earth tour. I had to chaperone my younger brother. Wow. And I think the opening act, it was either the Jets or Limited Warranty, which was a big Ooh, yeah. act uh, in Minneapolis I here that you and I have talked about. Yeah, uh, in the past, they beat the crazy eights on Star Search. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone you should track down. Someone from Limited Warranty um, should. They were probably they were, selling life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These days, yeah. I think Yan's coming coming back here. He's trying to connect. Yeah, he's only dropped off this one time. I, th- I remember it was a couple yeah. qu- uh, quarterly recaps ago. We lost him like five times. Yeah, there yeah. he is. It's been behaving itself reasonably well recently. Yeah, he got he got too excited talking about Belinda Carlisle and yeah. her hair status, and uh, right, right, yeah, that was it. Yeah. The laptop went into over it. It went into <laughs> overheated his laptop. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about the last three months. Um, I, I, as I said before, I don't. It was an interesting last few months. I know that people. I think. I, I'm guessing because of my own musical interests, I've probably cultivated an art, uh, an audience that's similar, which we love eighties alternative, the new wave. Um, I try to break out of that. I don't want to just be that. And so I try to break out of that. And sometimes it's more successful than other times. And this last quarter was especially more diverse. I would say than eighties. Yes. Yes. More eclectic. And, um, it it just worked out that way. It's just a matter of like who has new albums coming out and who's available to talk and what I've had sitting around for the longest. And um, so anyway, hopefully it's still good. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I thought say? there were some was, there's some great shows here in this last quarter. I hope so. I don't know that they're for everybody. Some of these, I will say, and I've mentioned this before. I'll get into it more later. I tend to. It's not that I necessarily save obscure ones but for the end of the year but i do often put out ones that i think might be of most interest to the fans you know than general interest or whatever so i kind of did that again i don't do that every year but i sort of ended up doing that this year some of them you you got limited time with you know the main artists like 40 minutes and 
Exactly. And that was a, I've sort of come around to embracing the two for episodes. I fought that for years. And the main reason being is that I, I wanted everyone to feel as though they had their own moment, their own, you know, when they share that episode, it's just theirs and they can keep it for themselves or posterity or whatever, you know, it's not content and putting out two furs feels a lot like churning out content. Like, like I'm a talk show and the first, you know, a guest is promoting one thing and B guest is promoting another thing. And I never want anyone to feel that way, but there have been so many people who I'm, you know, now we are doing that. Jason chef and Lisa yep. Loeb and Howard Jones or whatever are only Tiff. available for what were you going to say? And Tiffany and Gary Burgess. Uh, Tiffany. Yes. And, Burgess. and uh, so, yeah, it Mark Burgess, Mark, sorry. Yeah. Yes. No, it's Mark. Yes. So, and so what ends up happening is I figure, well, I've got these like 30, 40, 45 minute episodes and I've got some people that I like that I don't know how well known they are. And so let's put them together and hopefully the people who came for one will listen to the other. And so that's not necessarily the case with Don from Slade and Chuck from Quiet Riot. I really wanted to talk to both of those and it just so happened I got available. I got, they were both available at the same time and I thought perfect pairing, you know, let's talk about the, mer- the the crossroads of Slade and Quiet Riot would come on Feel the Noise and Mama, we're all crazy now, and then expand on their individual careers. Don was such a sweet, nice man. Such a nice... I, I mean, don't we all love it when someone says our own name in conversation? Like, that's a really good point, Andy. If I were to say that's a good point, Andy, versus just I'm, that's a good point, it means yep. more because you heard your own name, you know? Sure. And he would mm-hmm. do that. I love when people do that. Or when people oh, call he... you, say you look like The Rock. <laughs> like, uh, like, like Steve uh, Lillywhite. Like Steve Lillywhite. That's fine. If he believes, if I look like The Rock on <laughs> Zoom, that's fine. I don't look like that in real life, but if it's on Zoom, that's fine. So, um, uh, if, if you look like The Rock, either on Zoom or in real life, he's still on something. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little harsh, yeah. I mean, can't we just let people believe what they want to believe? See, <laughs> um, you look nothing like The Rock. I, mean, I know. You're probably you way, ta- way, way taller. I am way taller. Um, yeah, Rock, so stick it. Yeah, he's in yeah. slightly better shape. He works out a little bit more than I do. He can bench more than I can by a little bit. Um, anyway, so I, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so Don, what was I going to say? Yeah, Don. Oh, he met. So part of his story, as you guys know, is he got hit by a car and he had some memory loss. Yeah. And did, did you guys notice that it almost felt like that happened in the interview? I mean, we talked for about 40 or 45 minutes and there were a couple of times where he told the same story. And maybe that's just because he's been doing this for a hundred years and he's used to it, or maybe he forgot. I don't know, but whatever it was, he was such a sweet, nice man. And um, getting to talk to Chuck, who had also been on my list and put out one of the stronger albums that I've heard this year, The Sheltering Sky. Um, I just thought, what a perfect pairing, you know? Yeah. Well, especially because of the covering of the songs, like you said, it, it yeah. seemed to meld perfectly together as an episode. Yeah, do you have, you know, Slade were a much bigger deal. They were really only a deal in the UK. They were barely a blip over here. Do you have a history with Slade at all yet? Oh, I love their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. They, they are perfect glam rock. They are. What's they a really bigger 
Christmas theme in the UK? Fairy Tale of New York from the Pogues or Merry Christmas Everybody from Slade? Which one would you say? Ooh, that is that's that's tough. I think um the Slade one pulls in more money. That's interesting because the Slade one is again is not much of a thing over here, but the Pogues get bigger and bigger every year to the point where it's starting to become almost a standard at Christmas. And um but over there, I think it's interesting because they really do compete for like top of the heap. Let me just check that top ten. <laughs> yeah, Google it while we're talking. Um, anyway, after that was Jack Temption, uh, songwriter yes. Hall of Fame, uh, yes. great guy. Wrote a couple of those uh, great Eagles songs. I, of course, wanted to go deeper than that. I, um, I'm not a big Eagles fan. I don't mind the songs that he wrote. I really love so many of the other things that he's done. And bless his heart, I'm just going to put this out there. He told me afterwards it was the best interview he'd ever done. Nice. And um, I love when people say that. And I've been blessed to hear that a few times. And the reason he felt that way was because we focused more on more recent things. He's used to having to talk about the Eagles every time. And I wanted the spotlight to be on him. And uh, he, he was such a nice man. And we email from time to time. He's got some friends, other songwriting friends. Um, there's a guy named Gary Nicholson who's written, a lot of them write a lot of uh, mostly country songs, but I love that. I would love to have more country people on here, so long as they're people that we have like a history with. And so um, I should be talking with his friend Gary Nicholson here soon. But anyway. Well, what about his good friend Johnny Rivers, John? Why don't you tell us about Johnny Rivers? I I, I think I'm going to have to because uh, he's not going to ever come on. Because no. uh, I know uh, uh, Frank Santopadre uh, of the Gilbert Godfrey Amazing Colossal Podcast, they had had Jimmy Webb on years ago. <laughs> and Jimmy Webb, also another songwriter who was big in the Johnny Rivers uh, yeah. mythology catalog. Um, they had Jimmy Webb on, had a great time. And I guess they tried to get Johnny Rivers as well, but he turned him down. I guess he's uh, just a little too shy and doesn't really feel like talking about himself. So. It's weird. If he's I not going to do Gilbert, then he's definitely not going to do me. No, well, and yeah, well, now Gilbert's passed away, sadly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I could fill right. that void. Oh, yeah, tell <laughs> us, yet. I have it in front of me. Yep. Okay. So the, the site I'm reading, uh, they're saying the Slade song racks up an estimated half a million in royalties. It says, although the figure is rumored to be closer to one million these days. And then the Pogues is second, then Mariah Carey next. Uh, Even in the UK, Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah. it's Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul Car McCartney. Is that up there too? Uh, let's see. Is that on the list? Yes, it is. Number six. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, do, you, do you guys like uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. I do too. I love that I love song. It. I know people yeah. hate it, but I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love the Mariah song too. And last Christmas. I'm fine with all of them. Mariah can yeah. sing. And that's a pretty good peppy of, I mean, it's got the sleigh bells. It's like the modern day Darlene love song. If you ask me, I mean, yeah, I can uh, last Christmas. I, if I never heard that again, I'd be okay. And I like George Michael and wham, you know, yeah. just fine. Just that's probably overplayed. my least favorite of the bump of the bunch, but I still don't mind that song. Um, uh, here's one. Here's an interesting one. Stay Another Day by East 17. How is that a Christmas song? But it is. I don't even know that song. Yeah, me neither. That's another weird UK one. 
Yeah, and another song that I noticed gets a little bit more popular every year is 2,000 Miles by The Pretenders. Is that on that list anywhere? It is, number eight. That's what I thought, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I never hear Christmas rapping by the waitresses here in Minneapolis on our, you know, when they do the Christmas, you know, playing. I'll hear Last Christmas by Wham a hundred thousand times, but uh, very rarely do I hear uh, the waitresses. Uh, I'll hear Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Yeah. Uh former guest DMC. Wow. Um but yeah, it, that's I why when like, you when you yeah. had him on, I'm like I really don't know that song very well. I feel I wonder if that song gets played in commercials and stuff like that more than it might on a radio, but still that's that's interesting to me. Um I wouldn't have guessed. Uh okay, after Jack there was Bobby Whitlock. This was uh <laughs> what this is another one that I had been trying to make happen for a long time and I'm glad I did. What's really shocking to me going back to the money aspect of this podcast is that he I mean he was active there for a while but j- by just Der- the one Derek and the Dominoes album alone. Yeah. He can pay his bills for the rest of his life. Layla is a wonderful he- thing. It, it's and uh never mind that he also played with delaney and bonnie and on all things must pass with george harrison and other things too but just shocking to me that the work it's it i keep i say this before, it's like winning the lottery you just yeah. don't know if if we, you and i were to if we were to find out guys that like last year's year in review podcast episode somehow became a thing and we all became millionaires off of it that would be the strangest, most random thing in the world. We were just doing our thing, and yet it happens for people. It's just crazy to me. But I love 50, that he had some 50 great years stories. later. Yeah. 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 I love that he's got great stories. I love that he's still got his deep Southern accent. I love that he's pivoted <laughs> into art. I love that he's politically aligned with us and not some of the people you think he might be. Um, it was great. It was a good one. Yeah. He was kind of just a good old country boy who told it like it is. He really was. Like yeah. It is, so. Yeah. He really is. Um, okay, after that, we had Jason Chef and Rob, Rebecca Pigeon. So I loved Jason. I could have gone with Jason forever. I'm bummed that I only got about 40 minutes on that one. And the Generation Radio album is really strong. My biggest takeaway from Jason was that he either... It had to have been an act. And I don't... I hate to say that because I thought he was a really nice guy. But he just kept acting like he was surprised to hear that there was ever any drama. <laughs> oh, really? Drama in Chicago? Oh, I'm, I had no idea. Tr- uh, Triss Imboden left over uh, under bad circumstances. Oh. I didn't know that. I wonder why. Well, that's really interesting. Hey, yeah, you know, me and Peter are going to, Satara are going to work on some, you know, maybe going on a tour together. He just acts like it's all news to him. Right. And I just think that can't be true. You have, this has to be, you're part of like the Chicago mafia that is out there like, guys, we don't talk about what happens inside the family. You know, yep. and but bless his heart, it's fine. I, I love him. I love the band. I love his new stuff. It's totally fine. But it just maybe he maybe it's true. But I just could not wrap my brain around that part. Right. Yeah. It, it, it yes, it did seem a little odd that he was caught off guard when you brought that up. What? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't heard that yeah. before. Oh, did he leave for that? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Anyway, I thought that was great. I'd love to talk to him again sometime, go deeper. And Rebecca, I 
There, here's another one where she's someone who I respect and admire, but I know not a lot of people probably know who she is. Um, they may know her as an actress, probably not from her music, though. I love her new album, but I also like a lot of Indian music with tablas and stuff like that. And that's a lot of what the new album is. So it may not be for everybody, but I think it's great. It's one of my favorites of the year. And I thought it would be interesting. I mean, it's just fascinating to me that while I'm talking to this woman in her living room, that's the same living room that David Mamet lives in. That's David Let Mamet's living room as well. Glenn That's Gary, crazy. Glenn Ross, Gary, yeah. uh, David Mamet. Uh, yes, yes. And unfortunately, big heart Trump sucker these days, but whatever. Um, yeah. Back in the day, he was a great playwright. And uh, to think that, you know, they're married, they have kids, they've been together for like 30 years, and they live in the house that I just, I, I can see behind her on Zoom. That's crazy. Crazy to me. <laughs> And she's been in, I mean, Spanish Prisoner is one of my favorite movies ever. And to th- and that's where I discovered her. And to think that eventually I'm going to have her on the podcast, that's wild. Sure. She's also Scottish. And then there was Glennon Garrison. I've already talked about that. Garrison's another one. So uh, we don't typically go into artists that started or got bigger in the 2000s. But I want to make an exception for her because I, one of her, her third album, I think, came across my desk when I lived at Tower or worked at Tower and I loved it. I fell in love with it. And I've always wondered what her story is. And back then I don't think she was out. I think she's come out since then. And so I've just always kind of kept tabs on what's going on with Garrison. Has she gotten bigger yet? Has she gotten smaller? Is she still at it? Is she making a living? How's she doing? Is her new album any good? So I've just always wanted to have kind of, you know, an an idea of what was happening with Garrison. And I always thought that she would probably be willing to come on the show. And I needed, I wanted like, what's the the right moment? And when I got to talk to Glenn, that was obviously the right moment because they were going to go on tour together. And it was so nice to hear that they were friends. And I, I don't, I think conversations, deep conversations about belief and faith and all of those things are really interesting. You don't have to believe or have any faith to think they're interesting to me because not everyone's the same. But to hear their both their philosophies, Glenn is basically agnostic, but not so sure of it that he's willing to discredit the idea that a God might be out there. Garrison believes heavily in a God, but she's also a gay lesbian and has been treated like shit by religious people her entire life. And so just the dichotomy of these people's religious yeah. experiences mixed with our own, my own, is yeah. fascinating to me, you know? Yeah. So, and we got, thankfully, kind of pretty deep into all that stuff. And I find that so interesting. Well, the well, let's dissect. So the Glenn episode, you really spent the first, what, 20 minutes, half hour, kind of on his worldview, religious thoughts. Yeah. He's talking about snake charming. uh religions and sweat lodges and yeah where's this going yes uh anything but music really for the first part of the interview and then you you kind of got into the toad and a solo career Mm -hmm. which was good and then garrison i hadn't heard of her before and i loved this interview john uh in fact it it'll we'll bring it up when we do our top 10 for the year but like you said the southern baptist gal who's now an out proud lesbian folk artist uh With some incredible songs. I actually, uh, I used one of her songs in our music league. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the train bound for glory? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it really, the, her stuff really resonated with me. So I'm, I'm actually glad you, uh, you brought her into the fold here. Uh, like you said, since she's more of a two thousands artist. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just love her and I've always found her interesting and we had gotten to, we had started communicating a little bit on Twitter, um, you know, commenting on each other's posts and stuff like that. And so when she finally came on, it was like, Oh, who are you anyway? I don't even know your name. Cause I just know you as the guy on Twitter or the person on Twitter <laughs> that I interact with sometimes. And, uh, and what's interesting is that they both have left Twitter because of yeah. all the Elon drama on there. Me too. And I don't blame either of them. In fact, they left like the morning their episode came out. And so I, I don't think I was even able to tag either of them on there or whatever, which is fine. But um, uh, anyway, I'm glad they're friends and I'm glad I had them both on and had such rich conversations with both of them. They're wonderful. Now, Dar Williams was after that. Dar Williams is someone who, our, one of our listeners, Brian Morris, who I used to hear from like every day and I don't hear from very often anymore. I hope he's still out there somewhere. Um, had really been pushing for Dar for like about a year ago, pretty heavily. And I knew her, but I didn't know her well enough. And not well enough where I would have been comfortable doing an interview. I thought I'm going to need to devote more time to do some homework on this one. And um, so she was always in my mind. And I was I even contacted her publicist and said, just so you know, I'm, I'm interested in talking with her. I'm not quite ready yet, but I'll let you know when I am. And then this book comes out about how to write a song. And it's so great. And she's so interesting in it that I thought, well, now has to be the time. And um, it was kind of long, so it didn't make sense to pair it with another interview that was shorter, like I have with some of the others where the timing works that it did. But um, I was so glad to talk to her. And I don't know how many people know who Dar is. Um, she's kind of a songwriter's songwriter, you know? She's... Um, <laughs> If you know, if you are a, if you're a songwriter and you're probably not huge yet, you probably appreciate someone like Dar and go to their retreats and learn from each other. But I just thought she was a really sweet lady, and her stuff is great. A lot of it is great, and the book is fantastic. Did you know her, Andy? Uh, I've heard of her, but I, I didn't know her stuff. Um, and she seemed great. She uh, and then she busted out her guitar and started playing for you. Yeah. So that was I always love it when they do that. You know, yeah, they start putting on a show. Because, you know, that's how their brain thinks. It's like, yes. they have to show you. Like, oh, and do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> yes. And so, in fact, there was a part in um, the Glenn Phillips one where he pulled out a guitar to play something that I had asked him about on it. But for whatever reason, the sound didn't come through over the... Mm. I could see him playing, but it didn't. I couldn't hear anything. So we ended up cutting it out. But it was those moments and it's funny because if i listen to mark Marin, i think i've said this before if i listen to mark Marin and some guy sings a song at the end i usually fast forward through that part i don't <laughs> want to stop and listen but when they do it to me it's the best you know daniel lenoir playing that part of thing on the piano is still probably the greatest moment that i've had on this podcast and it was because he played this beautiful thing just for me and it feels so it was, intimate so what's that it was yeah so good too. It, was it was so, so beautiful good. Yeah, wow. a legend like him, and he takes a minute to play something for me. And so when Dar picked up her guitar to show me something, she, from then on, she was just so much more comfortable in the interview. Um, I think oh. you had some strong feelings about Dar. Did you know her beforehand, Yen? Uh, I knew the name. I hadn't listened to much of her stuff, but it, it's fabulous. It yeah, really is. It is. It, it's really worth having to listen to, and I would go spend money on her stuff. Me too. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. So we had had enough, uh, a bunch of like singer songwriter there for a while, you know, <laughs> Jack and, and everybody. And so I want to break it up with Kirk Douglas from the Roots, 100 Watt Heart. 
And um, what's interesting to me is that one didn't, that was kind of an underperformer yeah. comparatively. I still don't want to believe that our listeners are racists because I, oh, I don't think so, John. I, I hope not. I, I have to admit, I used to be a big hip hop guy, but right as the roots came out in like 94, 95 is kind of where I, that's kind of the defining line because that was also the the big gangster rap yeah tupac that's when i started losing i lost interest in gangster rap too yeah Yeah. so like the roots would be like if they would have been like two years earlier they would have been right in my wheelhouse Mm -hmm. but since you know where they find fall in the timeline i started deviating out of rap yeah Um, so i just know more from the tonight show and then quest loves podcast that i listen to well and we did I would say half that conversation was related to the Tonight Show, which is why I thought people would really go for it. Is like, well, I don't, I know who the Roots are, and I, I don't know this guy's music, which is not hip hop, by the way. His solo music is more psychedelic rock, even alternative guitar rock. And um, but to hear stories, and I have to admit, I, it was that was kind of a tough one. I, I almost wish I could do it over again because. It's, I mean, famous people pass through his life every day and it's a job. So he doesn't, he's not committing to memory some interesting tidbit about what does Kurt Loder smell like or whatever, <laughs> Andy, you know, like I want to know every day, you know? So it's just, a, I'm showing up for work. Who's here today? Oh, Bruce Hornsby. And we got to learn how to play. Okay. I can play that. And then the next day it's a new one and he moves on. And so you're not going to, if I just say, oh, tell me some stories about the Tonight Show, it's it's an ocean of, I don't, oh, where shit. do I even begin? You know, there, every day is something new. So I was trying to like get specific and I don't think I got specific enough. And bless him, he told stories, but they're the same stories that I've heard him tell on his web show on mm-hmm. YouTube. Sure. And so I probably needed to come in more prepared with like five very specific things like this person, this band played on this day. What do you remember about that? Um, because if you just leave it up to him to think of what's interesting, it's overwhelming. You can't pull, sure. you know, a specific one. See, I would, I would have thought people would have loved that, that one. I mean, for me, I will, I totally love their uh, classroom instruments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and you, know, and you learn you learn about like how long it takes them each to prepare, and um, and again, you guys don't know this, but in, he was backstage when we did the interview. He's at the Tonight Show at work backstage in his dressing room when we do the interview. And at one point, one of the other, it may have been Questlove, I don't know, one of the other Roots guys pokes his head in, and he's like, oh, I'm doing an interview right now, I'll be right out. And you just, you can see behind him that he's there, and it, it's just fascinating to me. This guy who's on our TV screens every night is talking to me from that location, you know? Sure. Yeah, and, and one of my one of my favorites is when they did the with the Who, the classroom instruments with the Yes, Who. yes. Yeah. Love Speaking that. of which, yeah. Yeah. And his new album is great. They were supposed to send me some CDs and they never did. And I don't know I so anyway, I don't know if I'll ever get them. If I do, they'll go to Patreon people, but Anyway, um, okay, after that was the Talk Talk Deep Dive, and I just want to say God bless Phil 
Brown because he's basically the only spokesman for Talk Talk left. I mean, Mark Hollis wasn't talking and then he died. We know Paul Webb's not going to talk because he was here and he wouldn't do it very well. <laughs> and Tim Freeze Green doesn't want to talk about the past. And Lee Harris can't be found. And so there's really just Phil Brown. And he thankfully carries the torch for them and is willing to talk. He wrote a book about it. And then when I, and I read the, you know, perfect silence book, finally, that. Yeah. Cause he essentially had to write the book and, and no one was going to talk to him from yeah. the official camps. Uh, come on now. Nick Duridan. No, he wrote Duden? Nick Durden oh. wrote the uh, last exit or uh, oh, exit, exit stage, stage left. left. Yeah. Um, ben Wardle. That was it. Okay. I got go. it. So yeah, when Ben Wardle was on the show earlier this year, the book hadn't come out yet. So I hadn't read it yet. And now that it has, and it was a great book, it's it's a bummer that certain people won't participate, but you still get all the gist. And um, that album is just one of the most fascinatingly made and uh, unbelievable to listen to albums it's ever made. And I, so it felt very, it felt like a big responsibility to get that one right. And I hope I did, but it's almost impossible to really truly kind of paint a picture of what was going on there without you reading for it, reading it yourself. But I was pretty proud of the way that that turned out. Um, I, I became a talk to a huge talk talk fan when I moved to Cambridge in 91, because I think I mentioned this, there were, it was still cassettes back then. And uh, we took, that, we that shipped you were our, stealing John. No, I wasn't. A, well, no, no, no. I take it back. Yeah. I had been stealing singles at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when we moved there, we shipped our Audi. We drove an Audi 6000 or something over there. So everyone else is driving on the right side of the car, and we're still driving on the left side because we've shipped our American car over there. And it's got a tape deck. And of all of my music, there were only a couple that the whole family could agree on. The biggest thing was Level, level 42's uh, World Machine. We basically yeah. listened to that all the time. But there was also Talk Talk's Greatest Hits called Natural History, and there was a, a, a Culture Club Greatest Hits tape, and that's what we listened to most of all. And so that, as, as the whole Lamoureux family, mom and dad included, yeah, everybody. That oh. was like the only thing because my dad was my dad being a conductor uh, for of an orchestra was never big on like me dominating the radio with pop songs or pop radio or rock songs or whatever. You, you never played fear of a black planet by public enemy. For I don't him? think so. Not to him. I remember one time I was listening. I had gotten a, a denim jacket for like my birthday in yeah. 1984, I think, or 85. I really wanted yeah. one. And I had also get, got a, uh, a Walkman, and yeah. I was listening. I remember listening to Van Halen's 1984 album on my Walkman wearing my denim jacket and him what me going upstairs to my room and him telling me on my way up i can see it in my mind's eye how concerned he was for me that i was becoming like a stoner <laughs> because i was wearing a denim jacket and i was listening to van halen on a walkman like he was just sure that he was losing me and you you're know? like 11 years old at the time <laughs> yeah i was like 11 or 12 yeah when that happened he, he also didn't want you to wear like what paisley shirts wasn't that another thing you've talked about? Uh... Yeah, he was just always <laughs> concerned. I mean, I guess, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about raising teenagers, you never know. You never know when they're all fighting for space and autonomy and individuality. And so when they do these things, like getting a, get an extra piercing or wearing a crazy, you know, T-shirt or wearing their hair differently or 
dying it or whatever being the new one is trans you know a lot of people are gender fluid and all that's kind of whenever they do these things they it's micro forms of rebellion and every teenager does it and they're entitled to it's part of being a teenager but we as parents don't know what of these are going to stick what are permanent what's the first step of many that's taking them off the path in 90 degrees you know is this a small bump in the road or is this a new reality you never know and so my dad was just very uh overt you know outspoken about his concerns of me along the way well he was probably really worried about you when you started hanging out with that yan guy in uh cambridge Uh, uh, (laughs) i can tell you for one thing andy he he wasn't into horror movies oh yeah no yeah no, no friday the 13th for him huh no, no. He, I, i'll never we went and saw misery with my parents <laughs> and that moment when kathy bates clubs his feet yeah i uh, <laughs> my do you remember, uh, we'll never forget it yeah my dad leans over looks at us and he says what did you bring me to <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he was so mad i thought he was <laughs> I thought he was looking a bit green. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anyway. Bit queasy. Not a Stephen King fan. Okay. No, no. <laughs> but bless him. He he meant well. And by then I cleaned up my act. When I went to rehab in when I in nineteen eighty-eight, I I've been good ever since. So anyway, okay. Well, uh, you know, he, he's probably up. He's probably there with my dad and and Ward Sieverts, and they're playing pranks, and he's saying, "Oh, you guys." <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, all right. After that, I again, I felt like we'd had enough kind of songwriters, so I want to kind of spice it up. We brought in Tom Werman. I got to give BJ a big thanks to that because BJ yeah. wrote such a great book. Um, this pa- this band has no past about Cheap Trick, and Tom was involved in that book, and uh, so that sort of greased the wheels for Tom to talk to me. I had emailed Tom years ago because I thought it was interesting that he retired and opened an Airbnb <laughs> and I didn't hear from him, understandably. But now that he's, you know, sold that and he's basically retired again, he was open to a chat and he was great. And what's interesting is that, you know, he was talking about people like D Snyder not liking him at all. And I've heard of that from other people. And I think what's well, not to like, he was great, you know, and he delivered hits and success. What's in that the point, you know, but yeah. I thought he was great. It's good to me. Yeah, a lot of uh, interesting stories on Motley Crue. Um, and I was thinking while I was listening to this episode, has there ever been a band who has gone so far on such little material? A good material, I should Ooh, say. Oh, yeah. I mean, those first couple albums all have like one really big single. Or, yeah. You know, and uh, the Dr. Feelgood albums, like really the only album I can listen through the whole way and, and like... I'm, um, I'm the same. You're right. Girls, Girls, Girls has two hits on it. Oh, Theater yeah. of Pain or House of Pain. I always forget what it is. A Theater of Pain. Has what? One, I think, or and, maybe one and a half. And Smoking in the Boys' Room was kind yeah, of Yeah, that's, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a weak cover. Home yeah. Sweet Home. Anyway, I know it's true. They were a singles band for a long time there until Dr. Feelgood. And then they broke out and then they couldn't handle it much more after that, you know? Yeah. Been interesting for them. But then as I was thinking that, then I was, and then he starts talking about poison. I'm like, well, there's a band that might've done even more with less. You know, I have a, of a friend, her husband is a sound guy and he travels all around the world uh, doing shows. And uh, I asked him once, I'm like, what band did you do sound for where you 
did every trick in the book that you could think of and they still sounded like crap and without blinking he said poison <laughs> really he said it was the the biggest uh you know black mark on his career that he couldn't make them sound good live at some show i guess i like, could see that yeah yeah i mean brett's not that great of a singer cc's the best musician in the bunch probably and yeah um, and cc doesn't he even cc doesn't rate himself as a very uh skillful guitarist no he kind of he kind of pokes fun at himself and ricky rocket eh, yeah you know. and i'm guessing too if cc's even remotely on anything his playing probably gets worse and he i think he's probably oh, yeah. on something quite a lot so anyway <laughs> um anyway. He, he allegedly went through rehab allegedly i'm sure he did <laughs> well i wonder how clean he is now anyway um all right jeanette gerardo or gerardo uh yeah. from expose um i have to give a huge thanks to our listeners dave german for that one he um i hope he's a listener i think he is we interact a lot he had been an a and r rep with um arista records for a long time and so he hooked me up with this one he also hooked me up with one that's coming up uh in the next few weeks that i'll Ooh. keep a secret anyway um she, it was just like crushing all over again on her um like i did in like the late 80s she was probably my favorite of that bunch i did yeah. love all three and you know depending yeah. on who looked the hottest in the video my crush would bounce but i always liked her she just had that kind of baby face with those big lips and everything and um the olive skin and but she was so sweet down to earth that's the thing that I it was kind of the big takeaway for me on that one was just how regular she knows that she was kind of plugged into this machine to be a pop star and play the role and do what she was told and and she did and she did it well and it didn't get to her head she doesn't live in that world now she performs periodically and she loves her sisters and friends but uh you know it's not a big thing with her and I just really respected her level-headedness you know oh yeah yeah uh love talking about her family and kind of all that and uh yeah you, when you say machine though those arista stars of the 80s were just kind of yeah put into the big machine you know taylor dane another big singles all artist and true yeah uh but yeah it was great to hear from her um you're right she uh easy on the eyes even today as she was in 1987 so she's a good looking lady she and and those songs are so damn catchy too they really uh, are you know what's them. interesting is at the time i never liked any of that music enough to have bought it at the time i liked it if it came on the radio or friday night videos or something whereas now i would happily buy like those first couple of albums or greatest hits or something like that i don't need all of it but it, those no. they hold up they sound great you know and um or I'd see her live as you know in a package with other similar bands or whatever. Yeah, I'm surprised though that they're stuck in that freestyle, you know, concert tour. It's like uh, Taylor Dane's another one. I don't think Taylor Dane does that many solo shows uh, these days. But Expose has six or seven big hits that you know just from the radio yeah. in that yeah. time. And then with Filler, they could do their own you know yeah. 90 minute show at some casino in you know Denver. Yeah, because no one right. ever goes through Denver, Jim. Thankfully, yeah. enough do I. I can get to enough <laughs> shows, but I know I'm with you. Like, uh, or at least have them headline because I think yeah. she was saying, wasn't she? Like, you know, they only get like 20 minutes, and so they yeah. can only sing like four songs, and they've got like eight big top 40 hits. And 
Uh, yeah, I agree. And it's funny because I don't know, was freestyle. I never heard the term freestyle until no. later. And yeah, no, I, last I don't think that years was common. Me too. And so I don't think that was even a thing back then. It's cut, become a thing or defined as a thing later. And I wonder if they do that just to curry some similar success that Yacht Rock has. That like, let's, oh. you know, if you, if you take soft rock between like 76 and 83 and you call it Yacht Rock, <laughs> then you can put out these package shows and you can hand out surf hat or a uh, sailor hats and boxes of wine and everyone's going to have a better time at Christopher cross than they would have otherwise, you know? And I wonder if that's just a way of like a branding or a packaging, yeah. you know, thing. So like, well, let's get these freestyle artists together and, and call it a thing. And then we can get more audience, a bigger audience. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I, I did look at their tour and it seems like they get packaged with new shoes and the jets and Shannon yeah. and kind of all those dance you know, yep. pop hits of the mid to late eighties. So, yeah, which I'd love to see, unfortunately they're not coming this way. Same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, interesting, nope. Curious one. You, yeah. You talk about people not coming through Denver all that much. That's a, <laughs> that would be a surprise. I mean, it's, it's like an international airline hub. So it uh, is. That's why we do pretty well. It's it, the, the hard part is when an act chooses to stay on either coast or just to focus on a coast, you know, they'll do uh -huh. six shows in, in California and they'll do seven or eight shows up and down Miami to New York. You know, it's, um, they have to be kind of crisscrossing and a lot of them do, but not, not all of them do. So we miss out on the ones like them who do these kind of coastal shows and just leave it at uh, that. In I mean, fact, that's going to come up here in a minute. One of our next guests, but anyway. You've got the Pepsi Center as a good venue. <laughs> we do. And um, yeah, I don't think it was it called now. Bell Ball Arena. I think it's called Ball Arena. Anyway. Yeah, it changed. Oh, but anyway. Aerospace. Yeah. It's yeah, uh well, but then and we've got Red Rocks and bands loved yeah. it. I mean, that's you know, that's like playing Madison Square Garden for a lot of people. And uh we've got a great a lot of great venues here. We do pretty well. It's just um if you're only hitting the hot hottest spots, you're usually staying on the coasts. Um, speaking of which, I'll I'll bump this one up. John Cafferty is an is an, another example. What I thought was really interesting about him talk about so when I talk about the original nine, those nine artists that in early March of 2015, I couldn't sleep and I thought <laughs> I got to do this podcast thing. I wonder who would come on and I emailed nine artists that night. Yeah. And in the next morning, four of them had agreed, said yes and agreed to come on. One of them said no, and four I never heard from. And John Cafferty was one of those four that I never heard from. And um, I've tried over the years to make it happen, and it never has. And I don't know if he's just anti-media or he doesn't see them or whatever, but thankfully with the Greatest Hits CD that came out recently, it happened. The biggest takeaway that I took from him, though, is that, I, and I don't, I don't mean this as a bad thing. I I feel like his career went as far as he had the vision to take it. Hmm. Because I think in his mind, success to him was then and has always been plugging in and counting to four, as he said multiple yeah. times on that interview. You know, plugging in in a bar or a pier or a boardwalk <laughs> or, a, you know, a small theater or whatever and being paid to play those 
20 songs, you know, that he knows for the rest of eternity. I don't know if he had the vision or the imagination to think beyond that of like, sure. I can carry this on for years. Let's put out a new album. Let's open for Springsteen. Let's go on this tour. Let's go on that tour. Let's get into another movie. I'm going to go make my acoustic record. And we're going to break up. We're going to come back together. We're going to play a, the 80s in the sand. We're going to go on a cruise, whatever. You know, all the things that bands that are still hungry have to do over the course of decades and decades to stay solvent. And he didn't think about any of those things because all that was important to him was plugging in and counting to four. And as long as he can do that somewhere every weekend, that's fine. And I just thought that's so interesting because as somebody who loves him, if I were his business manager, I would have put him on that, you know, that moving sidewalk of stuff like John, we got, we got other more albums to make more package shows to put you on. We got to get you on VH one, you know, this week in rock or great, you know, those talking head shows they used to have get on that or, uh, What's the top five on access TV or whatever, you know, we got to get you on Matt Pinfield show or whatever. We got to do, we got to get you out there and a home never, improvement show. Yeah. What? A, yes. You know, he and Daryl Hall are going to buy old houses in new England and fix them up. Whatever it is. I would have thought about those things, but he didn't think about those things. And so his career is what it is because he didn't have the imagination to think beyond that. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. He achieved what he wanted and never, and was content right there and then. And the rest of us who love him would have thought of more, but that's not what he wanted. Kind of uh, like the Chuck Berry model. Like I'm just going to go out and play the same 20 songs in every town yep. and not even give a shit if I do an okay job or if the backing band's decent. No, nope. <laughs> I'm going to show up 30 seconds before I'm expected to be on <laughs> And I'm only going to show up if you've got my money in a in a suitcase yeah. right there in cash. And as soon as the show's over, I get in the car and I drive away. And that's yep. it. Yep. That's all. <laughs> that's all they wanted from life, you know. So fine. Yeah, and I, I did find it interesting, and I, I texted you this when I was listening to it, John. It sounds like Michael Pere even stole his inflection or his tone for the role of Eddie Wilson in, in the Cruisers. <laughs> it kind I'm of like, did. I was like, wow, he sounds just like him. <laughs> well, Jersey's talk. Uh, well, he was, he was lip syncing the John Cafferty in that movie. Right, right. But even when he was acting, you know. And, yes, and true. Good point. The, yes, the lines, you're right. Yeah. Those other scenes. I've only ever seen that movie once. It's a weird one because it's not on TV very often. It's not no. streaming. I don't think you can even pay buy it. You could probably buy it on a DVD or something like that. Yep. But part two is easier to find than part one isn't that weird what does that tell you john well it tells the, me that the lower quality product is readily available for any no, who to no, watch. the higher quality product is out there um anyway yeah i know i saw that movie once on tv edited probably 10 years ago or whatever and that's it that's the only and time you've ever seen Eddie that's the, the only cruisers? time i've ever seen eddie and the cruisers yeah oh, hbo hbo used to play that every day from 1983 to I know. 1988 i know <laughs> so, so if Cafferty's showing up 30 seconds before he's supposed to be on he's doing better than axel well that's <laughs> oh my gosh i think i told you about the time i saw madonna and she was three hours late and by the uh. time she came on i took our kids were little at the time, but I took Farrah to see her for her birthday or uh, anniversary or something. I don't remember, but 
by the time Madonna finally came on stage, it was time for us to leave to go home and relieve the sitter. Yeah. And so, um, because it, she didn't come on stage till 11. And we yeah. thought that she was supposed to come on stage at 8. And so we thought we'd be home by 11. And so Farah stayed. I went home and relieved the, the sitters. And then at 1.30 in the morning, I got our little kids, little babies, in their car seats and drove back to the Pepsi Center and picked up Madonna from the show or picked up Farrah from the Madonna show. <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't think know I what happened like, after the end. <laughs> yeah. I saw like two songs and then I had to go. It was so annoying. Screw Speaking Madonna. of which, uh, <laughs> the rumor is she's going to go on a greatest hits tour here this year. I mean, that's Any interest? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen her lately? Look, she's a mess. I was, I was going to say those photos she released over Christmas. Uh, good Lord. Oh, oh, she's unrecognizable. She's done so much damage to her face through the Michael Jackson surgery and syndrome. Everything. Yeah. It's so bad. And it's a shame because if there was ever somebody I thought, I mean, there was obviously the 80s period where she's really into herself and how she looks and sexy and stuff like that. And then there was the Guy Ritchie British period where it almost <laughs> felt like she had come around to realizing that that was, you know, child's play and I'm more mature now and I'm going in a different direction and maybe even even like regretted the sex book type era. Yeah. And so I thought that she would be more together and mature and make good decisions basically from then on. But it's almost like she went the other way. And yes. she just messed herself up with plastic surgery. It's awful. Yeah. And yet she was like the most like sexy person in the eighties. When I think about the, the woman who that first crush or that, you know, who was your sexual awakening or whatever, it was probably Madonna. I mean, the, let's be honest, the borderline and lucky star video. Goodness. Uh, no, I think you're thinking of the open your heart video, John. Well, that was cool too, but. <laughs> borderline and lucky star had her belly button on full display and that was oh. my jam back then so that's why that was those were big for me yeah yeah and what uh what early videos uh were you uh fancying yeah who a, was who's lad? responsible for yan's sexual awakening let's hear this come on now mm, do, you, do you really want to yeah <laughs> margaret thatcher <laughs> oh no no iron knickers iron knickers maggie no let's hear it that. well guess what color hair they would have yeah yeah redhead yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i think we probably had her on the show oh really hmm. annabelle so <laughs> oh gosh annabella yeah that was oh hilarious. no no, that wasn't. No, that's not his Yance thing. No, that's yeah. not my thing. Annabelle is more my thing. Um, who was yours, Andy? Oh gosh, yeah. Even as a small child, uh, I was quite fond of one Miss Dolly Parton. Oh yeah, oh for who sure. Is, oh, who has provided shade to small children since 1967? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I, I was a uh, a God. I must have been six or seven, and down uh, this down the road from my house was this little mom and pop record shop, and the high school kids on my block worked there. So mm -hmm. my dad would bring me down there, and we'd see the the high school kids that lived on our block, and they had these uh, when it was the nine to five 
album was out dolly had uh God, what was it called like hard working hard or something it was her mm. i can still picture it she had like a vacuum cleaner and a i have that bucket. it's odd jobs Nine odd, five jobs. And odd jobs i yes. have that record yeah so they had a like two foot cardboard cutout of uh-huh. her you know with the the broom uh-huh. and the mop or whatever uh-huh. and they said hey when you're done with that andy likes dolly parton and we bought that album Do, could you get that cardboard cutout out of the front window and give it to them they're like oh sure so <laughs> they, they brought it home and they gave it to me and i tell you uh, oh boy i, I think i, I might have slept with it as a seven-year-old <laughs> I, uh, I, I won't go any further ah yes <laughs> oh man i forgot about dolly parton absolutely <laughs> My dad took me to see nine to five when I got a good pay, uh, report card at school. <laughs> and um, I, I think that was more of a treat for him than for you. Uh, maybe, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. She was responsible. And as I said, though, if she had um, back then, I was I was belly buttons and women's <laughs> you know stomachs were the thing. That's why I liked Madonna so much. And she never did that. And I would have I would have given everything for, for Dolly to have. <laughs> worn you know a madonna outfit at some point and and here's another one for you mary lou retton i was in love with mary oh, lou gosh. retton in the 84 olympics i know yeah. i was that was a big one for me too and oh. i don't remember her name but the daughter on mr belvedere <laughs> was big that was uh uh tracy gold's sister wasn't it no uh, from growing no that was benson there was the one sister there was, was benson. On benson missy gold was on benson yes tracy gold tracy was gold. on Growing pains, something growing pains. Uh, yeah, but I do think her name was Tracy, Tracy Wells. Maybe I think she's. A, I looked her up. I think she's a real estate agent now. And um, oh, a little little stalker, huh? A little bit. You're the king of stalking. <laughs> don't talk to me like this. I, I don't know where you of... live, John. What? what? <laughs> I, I, I... Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, anyway, yeah, Mr. Bell, Alyssa Milano, obviously, and mm. Dana Plato back in the day different strokes anyway all that kind of stuff all right let's uh f- speaking of which let's talk oh, about um, the share panel real quick oh yes yeah second. i've got one other one okay please so, pr- probably ooh, sb sports and catherine crab catherine crab catherine crab i don't german, know who that is german uh, sprinter Oh, oh, well, guess who Andy and I are going to be Google imaging as soon as this is over? Catherine Crabb. Okay. Catherine. I'm, I'm too busy looking up Tracy Wells from Mr. Belvedere right now. Yeah, she's a real estate agent now. Ooh, good one, Yan. Deep cut. Okay, speaking of which, let's talk about whether Cher belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's an obvious no on this, um, but that didn't stop me from having a podcaster panel about this i do the panels um i normally do a ton of them over the holidays and i just didn't have time this year but um it's my way of saying thank you basically to anyone who's had me on their podcast and because our show doesn't lend itself to having you know uh, guests like that on very often um it uh who who are we looking at here Uh, andy catherine crave oh you can't oh the uh, okay with the blur yeah so andy's pulled up Yan's crush on his cell phone. It's, I can't, uh, I don't think it's going to come through very well. So, but uh, she's uh, no. not easy on the eyes. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah. Ooh, Chris Everett Lloyd. She was, that was <laughs> another one back in the day. I like Chris Everett. Uh, anyway, so share. Okay. So I, our friend Nick Bamback of the uh, Rock and Retrospect podcast 
posts something about share. He's really into who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Writes about it and everything. He's kind of considered an expert. Post something about her never having been nominated is like the most egregious sin that the Rock Hall has ever per- perpetuated. And I reply and say she does not belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it starts this little bit mm. of a of a debate. Now Nick yes. and I are friends, so even though we're talking and maybe even getting a little, you know, mouthy or ball busting with each other, we're still friends behind the scenes. And one of our fellow, our, one, another friend of ours, Scotty Coomer from the 10 Junk Miles podcast, he replies and says, absolutely, she doesn't belong in there. <laughs> Josh Fitzgerald of the Movies That Rock pod te- podcast, who both these people have had me on, he gets on and says, definitely, she belongs on there. So I think, great. I owe all of these people because they've had me on their shows. Let's have a two against two debate about whether they belong. I feel like Scotty and I won. But from the outpouring of response, namely from people like you, Andy, yes, uh, we did not persuade believers like you, and you feel that Cher, Cher, may as well be Bette Midler or Liza Minnelli, you believe Cher belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves alone would get her in, John. Come Whatever. on, this brother. Is, this, is, this is so the wrong. The beat goes well, then, on. Then the How Bizarre guy belongs in the Rock Hall. Because OMC? He had one big hit. OMC. <laughs> yeah. If we're just going by like they had one great song. The, no. No. I, I, I think here's the, here's the problem I think you have with Cher. Uh-huh. That, uh, or I'll explain why there's a problem. Is she's from an era where you had singers that just sang right Mm -hmm. and she didn't write the songs, she didn't produce the songs she didn't perform on the songs except singing Mm -hmm. so i think that's where you're having a hard point but look at all the motown acts yeah none of them played it was all the funk brothers none of them wrote the songs it was holland dolan and holland dolazer holland dozier holland yeah then there was even a choreographer that you know came up with all the routines you know Mm -hmm. so are the Supremes any different than Cher? Is Diana yes. Ross any different than Cher? Yes, because they have more songs that are in the canon of what is considered rock and or pop music. They have had a greater influence and a greater cultural impact on rock music, not on culture, pop culture, not on entertainment, not on fashion, not on all the fringe superfluous you know, layers outside of rock and pop, but of rock and pop. The Supremes had a bigger impact than Cher. Cher has had almost zero impact on pop and rock. She's known for primarily two songs, Believe Mm. and uh, Primarily. Mm. I mean, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves are not, that's a great song, but it's not on the tip of everyone's tongue. Believe Mm. and Turn Back Time are the only two songs that most people know from share and neither of them are even considered good uh, let uh, alone important or have you, know, have you never, never heard of a little um, gem called i've got you babe that's what i was, that was sunny and share that's different and we differentiated yeah. in our panel discussion that that is a different thing and even them they had one big song uh, they had the beat goes on i like the beat goes on i like it way better than um you know i got you babe but they're primarily known for one song too uh, and so she didn't yeah. and that was largely because of sunny and his Phil Spectorisms than it was Cher. So True. I put Cher in the Entertainment Hall of Fame, put her in the Television Hall of Fame, put her in the Pop Culture Hall of Fame, whatever you want. But she does not. Passion she, for the she, from Turn Back Time. All of those things, mm. yes. Just like Jesse James. 
but she does not, her impact does not reach rock and roll. Okay. What about Olivia Newton-John? Does Olivia Newton-John belong in the Hall of Fame? Questionable. And I would probably say no. Because similarly, that's a really good yes. comparison, actually, Andy. Because she oh, is, yeah. you're more, right, it's more adult contemporary. It's more pop culture. A lot, as far as like the rock charts, the true rock yeah. charts. Yeah. yeah well, I mean. You know, yeah, Celine rock, Dion, does Celine Dion belong in the Rock Hall? Arguably, maybe, maybe because of her impact on pop charts and both, and her impact was bigger than both Olivia Newton John and Cher's. But um, so I, you know, if she, and, and if Cher got in, I'm not going to protest over it. It's fine. Yeah, I like are. Cher. You're going to well, go I'm, burn down the Rock Hall in Cleveland, I Ohio. Might. I'm going to get Jackie Clary with me, who used to work <laughs> there, and we're going to do it together. Um, no, You're going to have geez. an insurrection. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hall of Fame. Yes, that's what we're going to do. You and Bobert can go over there and uh, break in and start burning down artifacts. Oh my gosh. Screw those if people we're talking, so bad. So if we're talking egregious omission, Susie Egregi- egregious emissions. What? <laughs> what Ian? <laughs> this topic went sideways very quickly. Yeah. I'm sorry, did you say emissions or submissions, Ian? Omissions. Omissions. Got you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Did you say Susie Quattro? Yep. Yeah. So okay, let's be honest. Who has who has done more for rock? Susie Quattro or Cher? That's I'd, go, I'd go Susie Quattro. Okay, mm-hmm. then let's put Sharon after we put all the other people who belong, who actually had a bigger impact on rock in the rock hall. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Diana Ross is not even in as a solo artist. She's not? I don't believe so. Uh, I think she's just in as a Supreme. Probably, yeah. Patty yeah, LaBelle's right. not in there. No. You know? Um, I mean, these are trying to think of there's another anyway trying to think of like all the many female singers who are not in there and they're no different you know someone else wrote their music someone else arranged their music i get it i get it but there's what they've done had a greater impact on rock music or pop music than share sure sure well i'll give you that lammer okay 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 thank you i won in my hall of shares in my hall of fame you asshole (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fine that's fine you have your own personal one that no one ever goes to and (laughs) that you're you know no one cares about my basement with my dolly parton cutout yes yes do that okay let me burn through some of these we've got a real quick the slide stone book club i thought was fascinating the book is pretty good the Discussion on the book was amazing. Uh, Joel Selvin, this longtime writer, it was an honor to have him. And I want to say something real quick. The winner of the book is Alan Lewis. Now, Alan Lewis, uh, before the holidays, I set it out there that I would be picking a winner. And I did, but then I got so caught up in the wedding and Christmas, I didn't inform them and I didn't do anything about it. And I thought, I'll take care of it when the holidays are over. Well, between the time he submitted to win and when I got after the holidays, he had stopped being a Patreon patron. So he's no longer a patron, which is completely fine. You don't have to be a patron. The problem is that I don't, I only know to message him through Patreon, tell him that he won. And I don't think he gets those messages anymore because he took back his donation, which again, is perfectly fine. You don't have to, I don't care if you're on there or not. 
two dollars a month, five dollars or you would five dollars. Whatever. Come on, help a brother out. Thank yeah, you. Thank yeah. You, we have to keep Yan stacked and earn brew. We do. It's exactly right. I've run out. Oh, oh, oh he's drank boy. it. He drank it through the episode. So uh I don't know how to contact Alan to let him know he won. Alan, if you're listening to this, you don't have to be. I know you don't want to be on Patreon anymore, which is fine. But when you were, before you left, you won this book. And I'll send it to you. But if I don't hear from you soon, I'm going to give it to the other person who came in second. And that's Diane Marie. And she wins a lot of things. And so, anyway, if I don't hear from Alan, Diane, I'll mail it to you. Okay. Alan's a super share fan and got pissed with your episode and Ooh, said, that might F be this it. guy. Yeah, you might be here. right. Yeah. Screw this guy. His his opinions don't reflect my own, and so I'm going to leave. <laughs> I get it. That's fine. Anyway, okay, so I love that conversation, though. It's one of my favorites of the year. Um, it was. I am obsessed with Sly. I think a documentary or a bi- biopic needs to be made on him, oh, so yeah. it's good to talk to somebody about it. Yeah, I remember uh, Vibe Magazine in the 90s did an article about him that I had read at the time about how he just uh, like disappeared. Yeah. Like was living in, like you said, living in his trailer and driving around LA, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Bay Area, and just yeah. parked his truck. <laughs> That's it. He's got some little homemade studio thing back there, and he just makes music all day. It's a, it, I cannot believe that man is still alive. He still yeah. is here. And yet yeah. no one talks about him because he completely torched his legacy. It is sad. Um, yeah. Another guy though, put out so much great music in such a short window that yeah. we're still talking about it. 53 years later. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, to me. Yeah. It's crazy. We need him back or we need to hold know the whole story. All right. Lisa Loeb and smiley Bernard, um, smiley. The drummer is someone who I've been getting, I get requests for periodically over the years and um, it was a big thanks to our friend Lily El Sayed, who I, who we communicates is pretty you know out there supportive of us. I got to meet her at the Gary Newman concert. She put me in touch or put in a good word or whatever whatever needed to be done to put it over the top. She did that, and um, Smiley was such a nice guy. And so I love people like him because they know their place in the world. They don't think they're too uh, important, and they don't criticize themselves either they know just right where they belong and he got that and i love people like that and when so and when they do and they're happy about it that's how they get nicknames like smiley because they're just <laughs> smiley and happy to be there you know and so i love talking with him especially about the joe strummer stuff and uh his own music is great and i wanted to pair that with lisa who again i only got for about 40 minutes and i thought well let's put these two together because it's just a it's just a rainbow of bright goodness all in one shot. You know what I mean? And Lisa, who I I liked to stay when it came out. I didn't like it enough to stay fully on top of like everything she ever did. But I would check in. And she's just such a cutie and so sweet. And she's a great talker. And um, she huge talks... Huge Bowie fan. Huge Bowie fan. Yeah. She talks a lot, but not too much. And it's never boring. <laughs> and she doesn't dominate. It's perfect. It's conversational. She's yep. wonderful, and that's why she has her own radio show now. And uh, that was just beautiful, the two of them. And I thought it was funny when when I hop on, because she gets asked to do interviews a lot, and she turned them down, but she did mine. She did me. I waited, by the way, about two years for this to happen. She had gone on records, revisited with Ben Montgomery to talk about Bowie, 
and Ben hooked me up and then her person, it was going to happen and it didn't. And then COVID happened. And mm. so I waited forever. And I finally gave it like one last shot. Are we going to do this? And she came on, she came on because I was friends with Joe Francis. She meant to say Pat Francis, Joe Francis being the girls gone wild <laughs> impresario. So anyway, that was just kind of a fun thing, but I really love both of those two. They're so nice. Joe Francis and Lisa Loeb, you love? <laughs> no, Smiley and Lisa oh, Loeb. Oh, I, I've God. got, yeah, I, uh, is he even still alive? I imagine they, he's in prison They just somewhere. did a uh, Showtime or Netflix. Someone did a, a documentary about him. He's living in Mexico now, essentially exiled, yeah. uh, afraid to come back to the States, it sounds like, due to lawsuits and yeah. shenanigans. I'm I'm shocked that a guy that would you know do, tape videos of girls stripping in nightclubs would have a CD past. Yeah, shocker, right? Yeah, I wondered if he had gone the way of Don Lapierre or whatever that guy's name was. You told oh. me about him. Do you remember the guy who was with Cindy? The he did those infomercials about buying little one ads in the newspaper, and um, mm. you would know him the second. I think his name's Don Lapierre. Anyway. He ended up killing it. He got arrested for fraud and he ended up killing himself in prison. You'd know you're the one who told me about this, Andy. I'm almost positive. This I was am? like years ago. Yeah. That's the almost other Andy Shaw, you know. Oh, it's the one who lives in the tree outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little cold these days, John. Yeah, you know, it's a little cold. Leave the back door unlocked, you son of a <laughs> let me go look up. <laughs> yeah. Google and he had that uh the most downloaded the most Google woman Googled model in history. And this was in like 2000 Cindy was her last name, Margolis or something. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Oh, she was awesome. <laughs> Don LaPrey. Don LaPrey was the name of the guy. Yeah. Cindy Margolis was his like spokesmodel. She was in the infomercials with him. Who knows where she is now, but the Don LaPrey guy killed himself. Anyway, going back real quick. So I'll talk about Ivan Julian real quick. So he's another one. So again, what I typically do is over the holidays, because I know people are busy with other things, I'll put out ones that I think are more specific to probably certain fans that not everyone's going to listen to. And I thought Ivan might have that as much as I am fascinated deeply with the CBGB's era and culture and artists and everything. I can't get enough of that stuff. Uh, I know it's not for everybody. So Ivan has been a great, he was there with, you know, Richard Hell and the Voidoids on Blank Generation. He's in that first wave of CBGB bands. He's managed to build a career sometimes up, sometimes down, but he's managed to do it all these years. And uh, he's got a great new album called Swing the Lanterns coming out, I think in February. I had done that interview back in July, I believe. Our listener, James Milton, uh, requested Ivan and Ivan was one of those names I had seen forever and I thought that would be great we did the interview back in July and he mentioned then the album was finished but hadn't gotten a label yet so he was shipping uh, shopping it and I thought well I'll, I'll hold on to this until you actually have something that, for us to promote and talk about and it ended up finally it's coming out in February the single had come out in early December so it was finally the right time to, talk, to put the Ivan interview out yeah, no, uh, interesting, uh, interesting guy. I hadn't uh, heard of him before, and uh, like you said, it's interesting that there's a, you know, black guy that's playing all this heavy, hard rock, yeah. um, as you know, punk rock, 
Yeah, punk rock. And it was yeah. there th- throughout the scene. So I know. And what was interesting about that, um, when we did the initial interview, I asked him about that and he sort of tossed it off. Like, well, I don't know. I yeah. didn't really think about it. It wasn't that big of a <laughs> deal. And after we finished, he emailed me and he said, actually, can we do that again? Because I would rather give more thought to a better answer to the race question. And he oh. said, and I'd also want to talk more about my production work. And so mm-hmm. the week late, the next week, we did it. We just did those things. We just did tell me about the race issue at which he ended up talking, giving a more thoughtful response for about 15 minutes. And I said, what did you want to say about production? He said, actually, I don't remember. So we didn't do that, but we ended up, we, uh, we re-recorded the race part of that conversation to mm-hmm. insert later because he wanted to give a deeper, more thoughtful answer to it. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay last one. Let me finish out the year. We've been going for yep. a while. Tiffany and Mark Burgess. This is a really odd one. So Tiffany and I were supposed to have talked back in November and it kept getting, uh, she kept canceling at the last minute. And at one point it was her public, (laughs) her poor publicist. Uh, We were supposed to talk at a certain time. Her publicist got the times wrong because of, of time zones. And so I waited for Tiffany to join. She never did. The PR person said, oh, sorry, I guess it won't happen. So I went out to lunch. And while I was out to lunch, the PR person writes back and says, she can actually go right now. Can you do it now? I'm like, well, I'm not at my desk anymore, but I will be in about a half hour. So I eat and I rush back home from lunch. And by then she has moved on and can't do it anymore. So that kind of thing happened a few times. So I didn't think it was ever going to happen. And then finally... Right before the holidays, we squeezed it in. She was available one day. I had to do it at work, which is fine. And um, I only got for a half hour. And I was kind of annoyed. And so part of me thought, I could either, what should I do with this one? I thought about it because I'm, ta- I'm going to talk to Ted Poley from Danger Danger here eventually. And I thought, maybe I'll put them together, you know, because her new album's really good, by the way. It's excellent. It's called Shadows, and it's a rock album. Uh, maybe I'll pair those two together later. But I thought, well, actually, I've got this Mark Burgess interview, which I'm pretty sure is only going to be of interest to diehard chameleon fans, because he gets pretty deep on being an independent artist and who who he's angry with in the band and <laughs> who he's not angry with. And it's it's great, but it's really mostly for chameleons fans. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else. So I thought, well, I've got these two things. I'll put them together and put them both out at the end of the year. And uh, so that's why those two weirdos were together at one time. What, Yan? I'd recommend everybody to listen to it. I The Tiffany part was, I thought, really interesting. She was great. I had no idea. She goes and records every album in Wales at the <laughs> Rockville. Is that what it's called? What's the name of the famous studio there well, that she did? Yeah, but, but she said her 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 partners from the uk so yeah that doesn't that doesn't um that doesn't surprise me then yeah yeah and she makes these elaborate meals for everybody and she's a big foodie and um she was really nice she ended up you know kind of turning it on it was good she uh i don't know that i don't know that i needed to go that deep on tiffany to be completely honest i mean she had some hits back then i didn't pay attention back then i wasn't it wasn't my thing i do really really like her last album, this new album, Shadows, and the one or two before that as well. Um, 
but that was about right for Tiffany for me. I didn't need to go much diff- much deeper than that. The, what did you? The new, what were you- the new stuff that we that we played, the snippets that we played on the new stuff, fabulous. I love it. Good. It's honestly one of my favorite albums of the year. I'm shocked to say wow. that, but it's true. Good, ro- yeah. good rocky stuff. It is. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, shocking to me. Do you have any history with Tiffany, Andy? Oh, oh well, all those '80s cuts, you know, could have yeah. been, and uh, yeah, uh, that uh, uh, god awful. I saw him standing there, take off on the Beatles, which oh, still brings back. She had like this little hand dance uh-huh. that she did, and I remember just, that. That was just yes. dreadful. <laughs> it was. I was always more of a Debbie Gibson than a Tiffany guy myself, just because uh, yeah. she she was actually writing and performing the songs. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, no, I, I she's not on the new album. Was on Spotify? Was it? Uh, it is so. now. When oh, okay, yeah. When I did the interview, I don't. Well, it had, originally when I was supposed to talk to her. Originally, it hadn't come out yet. We were doing yeah. pre promo or whatever, so I had a link to it, but. Um, it's out now. It's on Spotify. Oh. Again, it's called Shadows. It's really, really good. And um, and the Mark one, like I said, I I, I love chameleons. Um, I just thought, I, it, we're, we're kind of in the deep chameleons weeds here. I don't know if it's for everybody. One little bit of interest. Um, so John Lever, who had been on the show years ago yeah. and who passed away, the drummer, John. his girlfriend is named Lisa Rankin. And Lisa and I are Facebook friends. I don't know her at all. We communicated a few times when the John's episode came out. That's it. And, uh, but I know she has a lot of animosity toward Mark. And as soon as Mark's episode came out, I didn't alert her, but she must see. She probably saw it honestly in one of the fan groups that you posted it to, yep. Andy. Yeah. And um, she listened to it and she emailed me and warned me that she had started legal uh, proceedings against Mark or us or something. Nope. And she was like, "How dare you put something out that you that is full of untruths?" And all this, oh. and I was like, "Look, I don't know what's true." John came on and told his side of the story. Mark just came on and told his side of the story. I'm not here to police what they say is true or not. I just put it out there. You know, it's not up to me. And I let Mark know that, and he was like, Ugh, "I don't even care." And so, yeah. anyway, it sounds like a lot of drama on that end. It's too bad. Yeah, very sad. Did she say she was taking proceedings against us? No, it wasn't against us. It was against him, but it was just, and I don't know that anything will actually come of that, but uh, she just thought that he didn't tell the truth on there and that's fine. It's not, I'm not in the middle of this. I love the band and I let the two of them tell their stories and that's all I have going on in this. That's it, you know? I must say, when I posted this to the Chameleon fan sites on Facebook, they were uh, quite shocked by the pairing of Mark and Tiffany. I know. I get it. I know. I know. They don't always make sense, but I had those two. I wanted to kind of end the year with everything that I had uh, still floating around. And so it made made sense in my mind. And because Tiffany was only a half hour and Mark was like an hour and 10 minutes, I thought, let's just put these together and put them out there. Um, Okay. Yep. End of year. I I might have to roll here in about 10 minutes just to give you a heads up. Okay. Okay. Well then, so let's do our top 10 year, top 10 episodes of the year. We're finally getting to this. Okay. Um, there's probably going to be some crossover. Andy, why don't you go first? Cause you, we want to burn through this. Yeah. 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 So, uh, number 10 was Garrison star. Again, I just thought she had just such a fascinating history and story. Um, you know, the music was great. The snippets that you guys played, which made me go out and, and listen to some of that on Spotify, which I, I want to get into a little deeper. Um, so yeah, 
she was definitely uh I'm glad the hustle podcast introduced me to a new artist Good. Bo- bobby whitlock like i said he was just kind of this guy who just lays it all out there and doesn't give a crap so <laughs> it's kind of refreshing mm-hmm. uh plus you know with the history of uh you know working with uh harrison and the stones and the eric clapton derek and the dominoes connection is cool uh gina shock just because you know i've always been a fan of the go-go's and the fact that she was just blown away by your love of bowie and was like taking you on a tour of her house with the laptop That's pretty great uh yeah how, how cool is that uh dave wakeling uh you know love the english beat slash the beat um and then the fact that he gave you so much time to just pick his brain um and then you know you're going in about you know bisexuality <laughs> questions and he was cool with it uh mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah so that was sure. interesting st paul peterson local hometown guy here from minneapolis um i was so impressed with his interview i went and saw him play like i said labor day weekend here in twin cities put on a great show i'd love to see him some more um dr fink also played that concert as all the guys jellybean johnson all the guys who were in the band had a connection to having played with prince before so it was really cool uh like i said for the hometown connection number five was jack Tempshin. uh love slow dancing uh sway into the music's always been a top song by johnny rivers jack Tempshin's good friends with johnny rivers they've written a number of songs over the years uh, but i've never really heard jack on uh, a whole lot of interviews before so it was great that you were able to kind of pick his brain not go solely on the glenn fry eagle stuff which like you said i'm sure that's most mm-hmm. of what people go for yeah. um and actually i had one of his solo cds uh from the early 90s uh i was looking oh, wow. for it before we started hmm. and uh god he did a song on that called i think it was you sometimes you just got to believe mm. uh and that's a great song uh mm. might have to use it for music league sometime mm. um but yeah, no, Jack Tempshin has some really good stuff. I've I've noticed he re-records a lot of his songs though. Mm-hmm. Like there's like five different versions on Spotify mm-hmm. of uh, you know, slow dance and sway into the music. Yeah, yeah. Um let's see here. Number four was DMC. Uh run DMC's been huge impact on my life and the fact that you were able to kind of share my uh question or story about how you know I went to uh, a school in North Minneapolis, which is predominantly black. And, you know, you put kids, you know, you put them together. What are you going to talk about? Well, music. So that's where I learned my appreciation for Prince and Michael Jackson and Run DMC because, you know, mixing cultures and sharing music and the fact that you were able to uh, share my story with him and that he kind of took that very heartfelt uh, to him just uh, was awesome, man. So thank you very much, John, for, uh, for sharing that. That's great. Steve Lillywhite, I mean, the guy's done everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the fact that he was just such a, a firecracker uh, and giving you a hard time, John, uh, I'd love any guest that gives you a hard time. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just the fact that he uh, he was willing to go there with you and, uh, you know, he it called you out for me. liking all this weird music. Yeah, he spoiled yeah. you. He really did. It was Trevor was such a letdown by comparison you know trevor was fine too but you you grow to have this you start having this kind of connection with certain people and certain producers and stuff like that And when it doesn't happen it's it feels odd but anyway yeah he spoiled me yep leo sayer number two i just you know i just know the hits from leo but he just seemed like such a cool guy 
Uh, it really came across in the interview. Um, gave you a lot of good stories with the Elvis stuff, uh, the Elvis story in particular. And uh, yeah, I want to go back and listen to some more of his stuff, especially that more kind of modern remixed uh, yeah. album that he had. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And number one was uh, DC Lee for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, I've always heard of the Style Council, but after mm-hmm. this inter- uh, interview, I went back and started really getting into their stuff, and I really love it. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked that they just never were able to put too much together over here in the States. Mm-hmm. Of course, she played on uh, Guru's Jazzmatazz album, which is a top 10 album of mine. So the fact yep. that, yeah, yeah, we big both for, share a lot for for us. Yep. 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 So the fact that she was able to kind of explain some of you know the stories behind that and her her solo stuff that you played uh i loved it i really want to uh get into that once she gets the uh, the new album out uh hopefully this year and you better have her back on i should and, uh, yeah that never did happen i don't think but and i have to run here for dinner gentlemen because okay. i'm taking my wife out and i just got a text Ooh. saying we're leaving in yeah. two minutes or i'm leaving without you <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to sleep with my Dolly Parton cutout tonight. Yeah, so, no, uh, <laughs> that's not as fun, is it? Well, thank you, Andy, for all that you do. Love you a lot. Thanks for doing yes. this with us. Yan the man, always a pleasure. And John, I just want to say thank you to both of you. This is my five-year hustle anniversary was in uh, November. Uh, found you guys, with, of course, with the Jim Babjack years episode mm-hmm. years ago. And uh, you've been great. Uh, thank you for letting me come on here. Thanks for and, being my uh, friend. Glad to call you guys my friend as well, sir. Same. So. same. All right. Yeah. See you, Andy. All right. Have a good one. Bye. See you, man. Bye. All right, Yan. Let's you and I count down our top 10 episodes of the year before we uh, do the listeners. So why don't you go first? What's your top? What's your number 10? So my number 10 is Dara Williams. I just really liked her approach to this, her songwriting stuff. And her music is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, I'm going to give a quick shout out to the ones who barely missed my list. That's Phil Manzanera, um, DC Lee barely missed, Leo barely missed. I really loved all of those. I'm going to put number 10, Mick Wall. Um, I just loved having, he's such a great rock on tour. He tells fantastic stories. He has seen so much of the weird, uh, dirty, seedy underbelly of heavy metal and hard rock. And he's got stories to tell, and I love that he does them. And a lot of people I heard from are saying, when's he going to come back on? He, I've asked, and he's been really busy this year, but he committed the other day to coming back on sometime in 23. So hopefully he'll be back on soon. We can do it again. Uh, so that's my number 10. What's your number nine? My number nine was DC Lee. I really enjoyed her. her I mean, and her, she was really, really nice. And her music was good too. Mm-hmm. And she 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 really was super sweet. She was. I thought. I'm really glad that that happened. Um, my number nine is Gina. Um, she was also really sweet. And it, what's interesting is that I we must be connected on Facebook. Or when I posted recently about wanting to get back into doing a lot of deep dives, she liked my post on Facebook, which is interesting because I didn't know we were even connected. So somewhere along the line, she is and. Uh, I was thinking I might have to bring her back on and do a deep dive of a Go-Go's album if she is open to it. That's the, I, it really it occurred to me recently that I have access to hundreds of fascinating people. Why am I not inviting them back on to do these deep dives? Part of it is because I don't want to overwhelm you with too much work there, Ian. But part of it is also that I just get so caught up in preparing the Tuesday episodes that I 
get overwhelmed, but I need to, I'm going to try and make deep dives a bigger priority in 2023 because they're great. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. What do you have for number eight? Number eight, I have Pete Agnew. Yeah, the Nazareth guy. Hometown guy. Amazing band. Have you ever have you seen them live? No, I never have. No, yeah. oh, you have to fix that if they tune in. They are fantastic live. Yeah, yeah, I, that one was. Feel, uh, oh, go ahead. And I feel so so uh, amazingly glad that I got to see Dan soon. Yeah, he's gone, and that happened just yeah. shortly yeah. after that interview came out. Um, no, it was just, it wasn't that long ago, actually. Hang on a second. Let me, or maybe, check. yeah, a few, a few months later, uh, it's Dan, the lead singer of, um, who had been retired and whose health was really poor lead singer of Nazareth died. What November, I think, or something like that, October, November. And, um, we had just talked about uh, that. 8th of November. 8th of November. Okay. And yeah. Pete was in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I like Nazareth, but I mostly did that one for you. Because you had mentioned over the years, like, hey, just so you know, I, I might have some connections to Nazareth. And I thought, yeah, I need to do Nazareth. I'll get to it. And then, I, of course, like everything, I didn't ever get to it. And when the, when the PR people started contacting me about it, I thought, now's the time. I got to do it. Uh, I think for me, number eight, I'm going to say Mike Scott of the Waterboys. Um, I loved them and I loved him. And I feel like uh, for whatever reason, I had it in my mind that he would be kind of prickly in a tough interview and specifically not wanting to talk too much about the, the past or the peak eighties period. That's most interesting to me, but he did. I must've found him on a good day. And speaking of people that I want to have back on for deep dives, if um, my favorite Waterboys album is um, this is the sea. Gosh, I couldn't remember. And yeah. it's their best album, if you ask me. And that's coming out in like this deluxe package here soon. And so he was working on that. And um, so maybe he'll come back and do a deep dive of that album with us and the deluxe packaging. Because I think he liked me. I was He was great. Yeah. I was not expecting that. So what do you have for seven? Number seven, I've got Margo Timmons from, mm. from Kaiba Junkies. And that just got enhanced by getting to see them live. Oh, yeah. 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 You you saw them, haven't you? I did. Yeah. I saw them once back in like the nineties. And then I saw them again on this last tour. I got to, I got to get a free ticket and I was going to meet her, but because of COVID they had restrictions. So I didn't get to say hi or anything, Yeah. but I love that one too. And what really struck me was just her decency. I just loved what a decent uh -huh. person she seemed like, you know? Oh, abs absolutely. And she wasn't able to meet anybody on the in November when we went to see her because she had the heavy. Oh, cold, that's right. Her voice was right. her voice was incredible. Yeah, um, seven for me was Stephen Street. Um, he had been a dream guest for a long time. Uh, the Blur albums, the uh, Morrissey album, obviously. But I'm not that big of a Cranberries fan. But hearing those stories were interesting too. Um, he's just behind a lot of music that means a lot to me. And he was one of the key Stevens of the seven that I wanted to try and land this year. 
happy to say I got all seven of them like I wanted. Lipson's coming out this next week. And the last and seventh Stephen will be out probably end of January, beginning of February. Um, I'm just such a, and I'm going to ask Stephen Street to come back on and do a deep dive. I want to do that first Morrissey solo album, Viva Hate. So I, um, yeah, it's, uh, he, I love him. I love a lot of his work. What do you have for six? Number six, Rainbow on it. Mm -hmm. He's behind the period of Rainbow that I love most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. And so, and so that one was amazing. Yeah. And I, was, I could sit and listen for the bass, the bass playing on his, well, his singing, and then the bass, the bass playing on, on since you've, since been, you've gone, been gone. Just, yeah. like, just like on a loop. Yeah. It's the best. He's such yeah. a good man. Um, and it just, I, I know I said this when the episode came out, I find him fascinating because I still believe that he would, ra he seems himself as more of like a, almost like a song and dance man. I think he would rather have been, have been something like a Tom Jones, but he got, became successful singing heavy metal. And I don't know if he even likes heavy metal, but that's, well, that's been his thing for all these years. And, uh, I just find that so fascinating. That's the career he created for himself. Um, he's good me, at it too. He's fantastic at it. Um, still is. Six for me. I think I'm going to go with DMC. That was um, a an unbelievable experience chatting with him. More just listening to him. He can go. And from the very beginning, when I tell him the first time I've seen him, I saw him a concert back in the '90s, and he's like, "Oh, I was probably too busy trying to kill myself to remember that show." I saw what. Wow, what an honest thing to say. And him just freestyling and going in and out of raps. And, you know, people couldn't watch the Zoom recording like we could, but he, you know, he gets that face and he gets, he holds up like he's holding a microphone and he's dipping it out of, you know, Peter Piper and Tricky and all these great songs, King of Rock. And it's like, I cannot believe I'm watching the man who did all of this right in front of me saying, being that persona. He was incredible. I love him. We might talk more about that one later, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you have for five? Number five, I have Gina from the yeah. Go-Go's. Who doesn't love the Go-Go's? Like Andy talked about her, her taking you a tour of her house, seeing all that stuff. That's awesome. It was awesome. She was great. Uh, number five for me was Billy Bragg. And, uh, the I just have not stopped thinking about his approach. Like I said, in the world, the world being as crazy and chaotic and wrong as it has felt these last few years, for someone like him to put out an album that's relatively optimistic and positive. And I just thought him, you of all people, I would think you, Billy Bragg, would have more to be angry about than anybody. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. It's all about empathy with me. I empathize with these people. They're wrong. They're misguided. And I want to bring them back. And I'm, I empathize. I cannot stop thinking about that. And I thought, man, if Billy Bragg can take the higher ground on the state of our world today, then I've got work to do. And I've just, uh, I love him for that. He was such a good man in that, in that interview, as I knew he would be, but I'm so glad that happened. Yeah. Um, we might, that might come up later too. So what mm -hmm. have you got for four? Four, I've got Leo Sayer. 
Leo was one of my favorite artists when I was a kid. And then there's the, even though I'm not an Elvis fan, really. Yeah. Uh, his his Elvis story was just yeah. incredible. That it was. just blew me away. Me too. Um, I loved him. I was I was not prepared. And you know what's interesting? I've listened to other interviews of his, and what I realized is that some of those stories he told me, he's told before, but he you don't feel like it. He doesn't make you feel like he's talking, like he's telling something for the hundredth time. He makes you feel like he's telling you, and that quality is what made him really special. And what I, what was my takeaway from that interview too, is that I felt like Leo and I were having a heartfelt conversation and he was telling things to me that he doesn't tell everyone, everybody. And that felt really good. I'm really grateful for him for that. Uh, let's see. He was number four for you. Number four for me was Tim Finn. Um, probably doesn't come as any surprise. You know, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Neil Finn is obviously huge for me. And I've been outspoken about that forever. I realized getting ready to talk to Tim that I like Tim's last 20 years of musical output way better than Neil's last 20 years of musical output. And that is kind of shocking to me. Now, I don't love that I got to talk to Tim because I'm one layer or one step away from Neil. I love it because Tim has meant a lot to me all these years too. And that was a, not easy to, to have a meaningful conversation. I was, it felt like there was a lot at stake for me. I had to do this right, kind of like the Trevor interview. I wanted it to go well. He cut it short by about 15 minutes, which kind of uh, was sad, but it, we fit it all in. And I'm just, I walked away from that interview saying that was as close to what I wanted it to be as possible. And so I'm really glad that the Tim one worked out. See, I'm, I'm I'm shocked that Tim Finn wasn't higher up your top your top ten. Uh, I have very specific reasons for the other ones. <laughs> we'll find out more, but yeah, it could have been. It was up there. Yeah. Okay. Well, my my number three is Steve Lily, Lily White. Just just for the Travis story, <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah. Oh, you know, I gave them cocaine, and they've never written music quite the same way since. <laughs> crazy what, what a surprise yeah yeah <laughs> yeah steve is uh the best he's going to come up more here in a second too <laughs> yeah uh, he, was, he was awesome yeah, he was just full of <laughs> and then him calling you weird for liking uh, stuff that well, that was that was that was kind of un, unusual yeah you're sitting there Telling them you like things that he thinks people hate. And you're, uh, you're weird, yeah. Lando. Yeah. <laughs> thinks my opinions are crazy. I'll tell. I'll talk more about that one here in a minute. My number three was Lenny K, and um, that one is one that I don't. You know, not a lot of people have talked about. The reason I feel that way is because number one, his book was good, but it was so dense. It was so packed with information. It was overwhelming. And it was a, it felt like a lot of work to read that book. But I was determined to do it. And as I've mentioned, people, part of that CBGB scene really fascinates me. But Lenny, of all people, uh, has had a 55, 60-year almost uh, musical career that touches on so many things. And I worked really, really hard on getting that interview right and I, because I thought I cannot 
look like a poser to this man. This man has done enough incredible things in his life that if I look like the white Mormon kid from Salt Lake City and I come off as being ignorant or bush league or dumb to him of all people, it's going to suck. And it, and I didn't, and I, it was, I nailed it. And I don't talk that way often, but I am grateful for myself. And I know that it wasn't for necessarily everybody, but I felt like I needed to nail that moment. And I did. And afterwards he emailed me and said, it is so nice talking to someone who has done their homework and that I will never forget that. Mm -hmm. And so there just felt like a high degree of difficulty in getting letting K right. And I got it. And so I'm, that's, that was a huge accomplishment for me personally. Yeah. And that's good when they email you back and say yeah. that, that they really appreciate what, the interview. I know. It's amazing to me. It's amazing. I mean, like, I mean, like you said, and the, the thing about the Jack, Jack Tempchin saying yeah. that he was the best, interview he's done and he's recommending his friends i know that's wild to me can't wild. get better than that no it can't no nope. all right top two what'd you have at two so top two let me get back down there so number two for me is billy bragg has to be billy bragg mm-hmm. I, I you know when i was younger i wasn't a, a fan of his stuff mm-hmm. i thought he was a bit too angry for me mm-hmm. But then listening to his interview, just you get a, a realization of who he really is. Yeah. And he's a decent human. He really is. That's exactly my takeaway again. That's how I felt. It was so nice to hear from someone like him. I loved it. Um, all right. Number two for me was Dave Wakeling uh, for obvious reasons. I was. Early in the year, I was battling some hefty depression, and I don't know why. The only thing I can think about, I can think of, is that I wasn't taking medication, and I am now. And as soon as I started back up on medication, I felt better. But the first few months of the year, I was really, really depressed, and um, having some suicidal ideation. Even I'll just be honest. So getting able, being able to talk to Dave, I was really emotional, having a really emotional day, because of it was him and because of where I was at my life and everything. And he was very comforting with me. And then we went on to have a deep friendly conversation. I mean, it was just two people chit chatting and I'm lucky that I know enough about him and Roger ranking Roger and their careers and life together, that it could be an informed conversation. And he, he met me where I was and I really appreciated him for that. And then getting able, being able to hang out on his bus me and my brother Steve did that when he came through town. I've seen them in concerts so many times. I don't need to go to any more English beat concerts, although I will because I love him. But just having a moment, you know, it was, we had a conversation that almost felt like it uh, transcended a podcast. It was a little more, it was friendly. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. And that, he's another one that I want to see if he'll come back and do a deep dive with me because um, I want to make sure I solidify some of that friendship. Uh, okay. Number ones. What was your number one? My number one is DMC. I, I really just had this. I mean, they were influential in terms of rap for me. They they were it. Mm-hmm. Them and then shortly followed after the, the you know the Beastie Boys, but mm-hmm. them to, to start off with yeah. were the, the main main for me. And he just got at it, and he was open. He was. I think he was probably everything we 
probably look for for him in an interview. Yeah, he really is. He was wonderful. Yeah. He was great. I agree. My number one of the year is obviously Steve Lillywhite for all the reasons I've already mentioned. I mean, I just can't, I had, as I've said multiple, multiple times, I've tried making that interview happen every few months for like six years. And he, he came on and then he gave me anything, everything I would have wanted and more. It was one of those, almost like I was saying with Dave, where these wonderful people can sense that this is an important moment in someone else's life who's kind of lower than them on the totem pole, you know, and I'm that guy and they do what they have to do to make it a meaningful experience. And thankfully I'm not a schmuck. And so I was able to bring what I could bring to the table and they made up for the rest. And together we made for a memorable experience and I will never forget it. And I've, I, I text Steve Lillywhite, not all the time, but I've texted him a few times since that conversation. And uh, I am so just incredibly eternally grateful that he helped me have the exact kind of experience that I wanted. It, it was one of the best of my life. I love him. I'm so grateful for him. Um, and it probably comes as no surprise that uh, he fared very popular in our listener poll as well. So let okay. me give you the breakdown of our top 10 from our listeners. I will say real quick, we normally get a lot of responses to this, uh, scores uh -huh. of them. And this time it was much quieter than normal. And I don't know why. It's a, It feels a little embarrassing. It feels a little bit like you've put yourself out there nakedly. Hey, guys, I'm naked coming to you right now asking for something. And when not enough people respond, it feels like it's kind of embarrassing. So I don't know why this was the case this year, but it was. Uh, there was a tie for number 10 with three, three of them, Richard James Burgess, which surprised me. I love that one. I didn't know so many other people did, but that one, Gina shock and Mick wall all tied for the 10th spot. So right on number nine was Steven street. I agree with that one. Obviously number eight was Tim Finn. I agree with that one. Number seven, uh, Somewhat of a surprise, but not really, was Ivan Doroshuk from uh, Men Without Hats. That one was up there for me, too. I Again, he's a he can be a prickly character, and I didn't get that. I got the very nice, warm Ivan. He was great with me, and I'm really grateful for that. Number six from the listeners with Dave Wakeling. Number five was Bo Hill, which was also in the running for one of my best episodes, as was Stephen Haig, I should mention. I don't think that one got called out, but I love Stephen Haig as well. Number four, Mike Scott of the Water Boys was a big one. Number three, Leo Sayer was also a big one in our group. Top two. Number two is one that none of us have mentioned, but it was Howard Jones. And the only reason I I had what was pretty cool, I had a really good conversation with Howard. Um, I probably would have liked to have gone a little longer and have only just nerded out on more stuff that had matter to me. I got about half of that in and I got about half promoting his new stuff. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. It was, I love that conversation, but it wasn't as like life changing as some of the other ones were. Um, but that mm -hmm. came in at number two yeah. and number one was Steve Lillywhite. Uh, Howard was amazing. He was. He, re he really was. Uh, and I'm not surprised a lot of the listeners put Steve Lillywhite top. That yep. was that was a fantastic couple of interviews, and it some was. of the 
some of the stories you came out with were just <laughs> it was. blow your mind. And yes. just, a, just as an aside, mm. I think probably it's going to be tough to beat. I know it's, it's only the first episode of the year, but I think for me, from a, when we get to the top 10 of 23, I think Trevor Horn's going to be a tough ask to beat out, out for the top spot just because he was a Victor-esque save. Yes. Yeah. Victor from uh, the Violent Femmes. Uh-huh. What that one and Hugh from the star of the stars, um, no, the records, uh, yeah. Um, those two are probably the most corrupted files you've ever had to deal with, and Trevor was up there too. And you and I don't know if you've you've probably seen a lot of the response we've gotten yet. Almost unanimously, everyone has said that interview sounded great, and Yan did a beautiful job. Yeah. We'll get deeper into all of it on the next deep dive or on the next recap, but you saved that thing. I think what we should do is give Trevor the interview to the, the raw interview to listen to and then let him listen to our one, the what we put out and see what oh, we think. Oh my gosh. You really that was a miracle that you pulled that one off. I was so worried about it. Um I yeah. wasn't. Uh, I know I should, I should know by now that Yan saves everything and I do, but I just, uh, I just have high hopes for a lot of these. Like I was saying earlier, I wanted to connect with Trevor the same way I connected with Lily white or with Steven street or Tom Worman or whatever. And it, it doesn't happen always, but, um, you know, I, I did the best I could and it worked out. Um, I thought it was kind of great. I did talk about that next quarter. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, anything else from you? Anything you want to put out uh, there? I think we're good. Uh, let's uh, let's tell let's tell everybody what the what we're closing out with. Yeah. So we're. I put it out there on the socials that I wanted um, as a you know I try to close these out with songs that are available from our listeners. Um, and one of our listeners, Jeff Mansk. Hope I'm saying it right, Jeff has a band called Flipping the Pig, which is an interesting band name. I hope you get super popular with a name like Flipping the Pig, Jeff. And uh, he alluded to one of his songs called We're All Light. And I really, really like this song. It's a little doomsday, but it's kind of, uh, it's almost funny and chill at the same time. So we're going to close it out with a song called We're All Light by Jeff Mansk's band Flipping the Pig. So thanks everybody for listening. If you're a Recording artist of any kind, send me, a, and you want one of your songs played, and you don't think I already have it, send it to me, and we'll include it in these recaps whenever we can. Thanks, Jan, for being my partner. Oh, awesome.
tell about a reaction you can never predict. Share is what we're here for. You're alive in this beautiful Thank you.